Good evening, everybody. And there's only one way we to start the episode this week. And um, yeah, you know what it's going to be. So rest in peace, Dennis Waterman. Everybody. So this is episode 83 of Bang Bang Podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you knew how we were going to start this week. It was a sad, sad, sad event this week with Dennis Waterman passing away. And I've got a guest on this week, which is probably quite suitable for uh, for a little tribute. So we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, this is Bang Bang Podcast. We talk about wrestling. We talk about oh, anything that really comes to mind over the course of two hours most weeks. Um, last week. We had Scottish Danny on the show for a little journey back to 2007 TNA with a lot of kind of familiar faces from from today. 
uh, yeah, it was good. Danny's always a he's a, a podcast legend. He's slowly taken over the world, podcast by podcast. Um, so you can check him out on the Changing Attitude podcast and One Man's Meat and Nitro Nights and Disgusting Awful and yeah, there's a list, but you know where to find him. Um, we didn't play Black Lakes this week, but thank you to Black Lakes anyway for what is normally our theme music most weeks. Um, the guys are on tour. I think they're playing a few gigs in Scotland. Go and have a look on their Twitter page, their Facebook page, and you can find out all the relative links to, to those events. And um, and yeah, so so this week I'm joined by one half of the um, our I say competitors in brackets in the Monday Morning Wars when I can be bothered to put podcasts out in time on my page. But, but yeah, it's uh, Rob from uh, UCC Podcast. Good evening, sir. Good evening. How are you? Oh, I'm asking how you are, but obviously it's, it's a sad week for everyone, isn't it? You know, it's uh, the passing of a legend. It is. I was in work on, when was it, Sunday? Or Sunday, I think, wasn't it? Or, I mean, yeah, so it was on a Sunday when I read it, um, when the news came through about Dennis Waterman. I was actually the first person to message me was um our pal mark uh who was on the show he works for um zenith st petersburg in russia <laughs> he was the first person to tell me that dennis walkman had died so i had somebody in russia was breaking the news to me that uh dennis walkman had passed away um bit of a sad isn't it? yeah you know it's, it's someone i guess that we've all you know grown up with through uh you know the, the sweeney and minder and on the up and new tricks you know there's just um even those sort of uh, little britain sketches which probably brought him back to prominence you know where uh, david walliams was uh, writing the theme tune and singing the theme tune and yeah yeah it's uh, really tiny sat next to the giants uh, <laughs> uh you know he had, uh, he had him in a, a little chair didn't they yeah <laughs> to yeah. make him look small yeah, yeah i mean that's me to, to a, a large age group of people that's where they're kind of known from isn't it? that uh yeah the little like Britain pastiche or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I mean, he had that famous um, scene on in Markham and Wise, didn't he, with John Thor? They were doing a singing and dancing number with them as well. So you know, I mean, that that's going back to the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, during the eighties, Minder was uh, one of the biggest shows on TV. Like when I was a kid, if we were lucky on Thursday nights, we might get up to watch. Well, I could, again, it's one of those things I can always remember the the uh, intro to it. Very rarely got to stay awake for the uh, for the end of it, the end credits of it. But um, and he was one of those guys. He was just a kind of uh, in the eighties. He was a a big star. Um, yeah, to be the, the release. Yeah, because uh, well, he keep playing the "I Should Be So Good for You" theme that they released. But they released a Christmas uh, song, didn't they? George Cole and Dennis Waterman. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, what, what, that was probably going to get for her indoors. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and on our, our Christmas cracker, we did. I put that as the. Uh, the intro to that Christmas cracker. Um, yeah. yeah, that's not so good, that song, is it? <laughs> yeah, it shows how it shows how famous they were. Though. I mean, you know, George Cole had been kicking around. He was in, like, the St. Trinian films in the 50s or whatever, you know, so he, he was a, a, an institution at the time. But, yeah, it shows how popular the series was that they could go and do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And then, obviously, he moved to the, the BBC and started doing On the Up and uh, um, New Tricks. I, I never really watched New Tricks um new tricks is the sort of thing that i always like when i watch it but i never sort of went out of my way to watch it um 
I really like James Boland as well, who's also in that. You know, he was in um, Biderbeck, um Connection and Affair, and he was in um, Whatever Happened to the Likely Lads, those kind of things. Uh, sort of, again, comedy actor of the 80s. He did something. He did, like, a children's thing. He was like, um, you know, someone's granddad who could shrink and he'd, like, oh, run yeah. around. <laughs> Grandpa in my pocket, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. But you all end up on kids' TV eventually when they get a bit older. Like um, old Jack and his uh, his boat, which is um, Bernard Cribbins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, Bernard Cribbins is in everything, isn't he? You know, <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. um, he, he was in one of the Peter Cushing Doctor Who was as the assistant. Yeah, you know, the he sort was, of, yeah. You know, that, that wasn't canon Doctor Who. And then he comes back years later and is in Doctor Who again. Yeah, hopefully the guys on the Doctor Who pod might actually cover that Peter Cushing there. Uh, Doctor Who movie because I remember seeing that as a kid. Obviously, wow. in those, I, I don't. Know. Have you seen it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Uh, I think uh, Roy Castle's Do- in one as well. He is, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's Doctor Who Invasion of twenty one fifty or something that Bernard Cribbins is in. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean Roy Castle from Record Breakers, he, he was a legend. Yeah. Um, when, when when they first um, you know started having smoking rooms in pubs, there was a pub in Leeds. And it had um, uh, the the smoking room, uh, or the non-smoking room, should I say, was uh, the Roy Castle room. But then, obviously, as time went on, it sort of flipped with um, the larger part of the club being non-smoking and the smoking part being the small room. So the Roy Castle room became the smoking room, which I always thought was in incredibly bad taste. <laughs> yeah, probably not a fitting tribute to the man, is it really? No, no. <laughs> no. But he 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 was a when I was a kid he was a mega star as well. Roy Castle, yeah. I mean the guy could play the trumpet and tap dance. Yeah, it was better than Chris Akabusi who replaced him, wasn't he? On <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe they should rename that room the Chris Akabusi room. I think everyone would love that. I don't know if I could stand a night in the pub with Chris Hackabusi. I think it's just a bit too much. Yeah. Like, you know, it'd be all right to meet, have a chat for five minutes, but if you're there all evening, you're like, shut yeah. the fuck up, Chris. I always remember because he did the um, remember he used to uh, match of the seventies, match of the eighties on ITV on BBC where they go back and do like season by season sort of highlights of um, seventies yeah. and eighties football. Dennis Waterman used to do the kind of voiceover for that as well. And oh, he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they they were good. They were good. It's ITV four used to randomly just put on um, classic matches. That I don't remember that. Hmm. Uh, one, one, and you'd get lulled into thinking classic match meant it was going to be good. I remember I, I once watched, I think it was um, like Chef Wednesday Ipswich or something from 1973 in the FA Cup, and it was like uh, at the end it was a nil-nil draw, and they're like, "Oh well, well, we'll see you all uh, on Tuesday night for the replay." <laughs> like what? Well, on those um, match? on the big match, it used to be because I can remember one one week, um, City and Rovers, the derby was the main match on the big match that would have been maybe in the third division so i think they used to if there was like a, a good match on somewhere in the country because again i think it was icv so you used to get it all from the different the regional coverage so some week you probably get like the highlights of all the goals in the first division and then the main match would be 20 minutes of port vale versus <laughs> port vale versus swindon <laughs> so yeah but um yeah, I mean, I'm sure, you know, um, there's reruns of Minder will go on forever on ICV4, wouldn't they? So, I, uh, 
Yeah. We must be making ITV a fortune. And it's getting in time for um, Marty and Cy Powell's Minder uh, slash Murder in Mind podcast that uh, Marty's trying to get him to do. Well, my kids uh, started getting into watching You've Been Framed, which was on at five o'clock on ITV4 or ITV2. I can't remember which one it is now. But in that, I think they've obviously, they've run out of the, you know, thousand episode run of uh, You've Been Framed. So in that time slot now every day, I went to check the other day to put it on. And it's, uh, I got in time just for the opening credits of mine there. So mine was on instead of that. <laughs> the kids weren't as receptive to that, if I'm honest. But well, they're, they're not, not in the right game. They're not no, in the right no, game, no. are they? No. They were like, oh, we do recognise this song, Daddy from Summer. I'm like, yeah, it's just a good song. Yeah. No. <laughs> when I was a kid at school, me and my mate were like, whenever we buy our first car, we want to get a picture taken, like a black and white picture, like uh, George and uh, Dennis. Yeah, shake, <laughs> shaking hands over the bonnet, yeah. 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 <laughs> over the car, yeah. But um, no, but yeah, a legend, Dennis Waterman, so. Yeah. Well, no. um, the car, the car uh, caught fire a couple of years ago as well, so uh, the car's gone. Oh, really? Yeah, then. Yeah, they were moving it between some kind of show or exhibition or whatever, yeah, and it, uh, it caught fire and burnt out, so oh. the car's gone too. It's a shame. Um, yeah. We went, <laughs> unfortunately, the, the the record of the uh, the remakes of Minder still exists, so we get, they've not burnt, but... Um, yeah, yeah, they should burn the Shane Ritchie Minder, yeah. Yeah, I've never watched that, i never watched that, but... Well, obviously, you know... Um, the AEW minding minder ratings war still uh, still burns on, but there was a big a big drop off when the uh, it was Gary Webster replaced Dennis Waterman on Minder. When yeah, it was all, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like when you have Hangman Page in the main event, the ratings just go off a cliff. <laughs> Maybe that's um yeah, they've got a big tournament, haven't they, coming up? Um, the Owen Hart thing. There's a Joker in that, isn't there? You don't think it's uh. <laughs> I guess it's Shane, Shane Ritchie. Ritchie. Might be Gary Webster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the crowd response. Oh, yeah. Gary Webster is all elite, apparently. Um, and I mean, by the time this episode comes out, we'll be very close to knowing if Huddersfield is. If you're heading to Wembley, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, if, crossed, if you listen to this yeah. on Monday, it'll be Tuesday night. It'll be the second leg. It's Monday night. The second leg. Oh, it's Monday been, night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Friday, Monday. So, yeah. Yeah, Luton Town. Um, we might get hoisted by our own petard because that season we got relegated from the Premier League. Uh, we were singing a song about all the Premier League grounds that we were visiting and now we're going to Luton Town. Luton Town away. <laughs> so, <laughs> they've never really forgiven us for that. So, <laughs> yeah. Did you, um, obviously this past week you finished the season off with a resounding victory against um, one of the sleeping giants of British football. Uh, did you go, did, did you attend that game? No, no, I was going to go, but we've had some um, had some personal stuff on, so I, I couldn't yeah. get to that game. But yeah, no, it, it looked um, it looked like a pretty workmanlike performance. Um, <laughs> yeah. It didn't look like we were pulling any trees. We, we, I think we'd made seven changes, so it's not as if uh, okay, okay, it, it was normal. But yeah, I mean, a Toffolo's goal, though, you know, just giving the Ballon d'Or now. Well, I'm not sure what one of our centre halves was doing, Rob Atkinson, because um, as I put on one of the groups I'm in, I'm, I'm all for players taking the knee before the match. But he seemed to be doing that in our six-yard box for some reason whilst the game was going on. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. But, well, I mean, hopefully uh, we we won't play you next season, Rob, in your Fiorca, you know, and you'll, you'll get yeah, promotion. Fingers and, crossed. 
Yeah. yeah. And then we can have another season of getting whipped in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> Spending daft money on players that turn out to be crap. <laughs> but that's all part of the fun, isn't it? Yeah, and it'd be worth it for those two games against Liverpool. So just just on the off chance you do beat Liverpool, and obviously then Dan will be... Uh... Well, I've told Dan before, we beat Man U, and it's basically the same thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing, yeah. I, I, don't, yeah. I can't, can't see the difference, to be honest. No, as I like to mention as often as possible, last time we played Man United, we beat them. Last time we played Liverpool, we beat them. So, mm. I mean, it helps if you only played them once every 30 years, but it still counts in the book. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've got a match against Leeds to look forward to next season, either way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the um, I think the, maybe the last time we had Leeds, we uh, we, we played them, and obviously, whenever we played Leeds, they normally sell out their away allocation as they're quite um, open in letting you know, and um, they're normally Leeds fans in the in the home end. So, the last time we played, there was um, Leeds scored first goal. And two or three people in the stand jumped up and celebrated, which wasn't the, it's not the brightest idea to do with football, is it? Um, especially if you're in the home end. And they found their way to the bottom of the stand quite quickly. And then as the game was going on, the opposite, uh, what is the um, the main sort of landstand stand now? It, it, was a, it was a different stand then. But people ran out of that stand, who obviously were Leeds fans, chased, were chased out of that stand, and ran across the pitch and jumped in the away end. As the game was going on, the referee didn't stop the game. So the ball was kind of in the halfway on the halfway line and there's fans running across the pitch to get into the uh, into the away end. So so yeah. Lovely. Lovely lovely fans, lovely club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we look forward to playing them next season. I'm not sure if we've got any Leeds fans who actually listen to the podcast. But um no. I, I no. don't know. I hear I hear Leeds getting fire, fire in the wheel next year, so you never know. Well, well, obviously, my favourite Leeds fan, I don't know if he is a Leeds fan or not, but be would be uh, Leeds' resident Hulk Hogan lookalike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I don't. I think he was just in Leeds. I don't think he was from Leeds. I think he was trying okay. to get out, you know, so. Right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to get back to Florida. Yeah, <laughs> brother. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, right, so, yeah, obviously, last week we did TNA. This week we're covering NXT TakeOver. From this week in 2017. Um, I, I've just made notes on Love, Love Giant Bone. I thought we were doing that. Well, I mean, again, I, I was going to make that a regular thing. But on, where do you stand on, on Love Joy and Boone? Well, um, I watched both. I was subjected to watching both uh, when I was growing up. Because, um, uh, yeah. you know, my mum had a bit of crush on uh, both of them. I mean, basically, I think all the TV I watched growing up was... Uh, based on uh, the crushes that my mum had. Uh, She was very impressed, actually. We went to um, Comic-Con a few months ago, and uh, Adrian Paul from Highlander was there. Um, So I took a video for her, which you're not supposed to do. But, uh, yeah, a woman in her 70s getting overly excited about a man now in his 50s sort of thing. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, no. um, Yeah, in, in terms of the theme tune debate you've been having, Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Bo- Boom's the work rate theme tune because it oh, yeah. goes on for about five minutes, doesn't it? You know, it's yeah, a, yeah. It's, it's a whole sort of rock opera. Um, but Lovejoy is just you know that sort of um, you know it's hit the demo. It's uh, popular with the kids. It's, it's got to be Lovejoy. And the added bonus, Ian McShane was in Dallas, and um, a bit of a closet Dallas fan. Um, so he played Don Lockwood, who was uh, Sue Ellen's second husband, uh, but JR managed to uh, chase him off as <laughs> as per. He, I mean, he turned up he, he, in that sort of 
even recent years, he, he turns up in some weird places. I remember watching, did you ever watch uh, Ray Donovan? No, I've not seen that. He was in Babylon 5, though, so we're going to hear Cy Powell cover him on the Babylon 5 okay. podcast when he gets around <laughs> to it. Yeah, yeah. He's been in, I mean, obviously he's been in everything, but he still turns up in in random TV programs. I mean, like you said, he was a yeah, he was a, a sex symbol in the, in the 80s and the 90s. In the, not in the 90s. <laughs> he was a sex symbol yeah. in the 90s. But, um, I, I, I think... I think he, got, he he was made to look even better because he was stood next to um, Dudley Sutton, wasn't he, as Tinker, mm. who, you know, this weird old man. So He's like a goblin, you know, made, him, <laughs> yeah, made, made him look even sexier. <laughs> oh, Dudley Sutton was in, what was he in? He was in Football Factory, wasn't he? Was he in Football Factory? Oh, he's, he's been in everything. I'm sure I, I was looking at his IMDb earlier. It's like about 200 things or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and um, I, was, I forgot Ian McShane turned up in Game of Thrones as well for like one episode. I've never seen that. I know, I know okay. everybody else in the world has, but yeah, no. I, I might do a Dan and catch up on it 20 years later. Yeah, it just leave the last season out because it's not very good. But, but, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the, the Boone theme song, I don't think anyone went on top of the pops and did the Lovejoy theme, but the Boone theme song, song was actually uh, like a top 10 hit. But it's not it, it's no I should be for I should um it's a good to you, is it? No, 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 obviously not, no, no. No, I oh. class that as a you know, an all time classic, obviously. I <laughs> saw so you were doing um Takeover Chicago. This was gonna be so this was a late change because Dan was gonna be covering this, wasn't he? But then you guys swapped, so Dan's gonna be appearing later on in the in the series. So when I put yeah, the, well, when I put the list up initially, Dan chose that one quite quickly. Um, yeah, when um, when we had the conversation, because you, you'd just been on UTC, and afterwards Dan was saying, oh, I'm so busy, I'm working 50-hour weeks, I've got no time, I've got no time. Said, All right, Dan, you know, I know you're going on Bam Bam, shall I do it for you, you know, take a bit of pressure off you. Oh, yeah, that'd be great, that'd be great, I can, uh, you know, relax, etc. And then he volunteers to do chain wrestling. Yeah, I did realise <laughs> that as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you may have just thought you made a mistake by picking this show, but we'll, we'll get to that uh, in a bit. Obviously, the top 10 from 2017 in May, um, I didn't even look at it because I'm assuming it wouldn't be that good. So we've uh, picked the top 10 from November 1986, the 5th of November 1986, which was Alexander Wolfe's birthday. As he plays such a major part in this pay-per-view, <laughs> I feel we, uh, <laughs> we, we'd go for that one. So, I mean, 1986, mid 80s, you're on to a, you're on to a winner, basically. Aren't you? <sighs> so, right, here he goes. So, number 10 is Don't Get Me Wrong by The Pretenders. Can you remember the video for this one? I can't, no. No, it was um, uh, the take of um, The Avengers. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it had um, um, Christy Hines in the sort of Dana Rig, Mrs. Peel role and uh, she was looking for um patrick mcnee uh, okay. who actually ends up they, they sort of cut in at the end uh, a bit where you get uh, chrissy hind and patrick mcnee on the same screen so they're taking okay. footage from the avengers but if they'd just waited a few years and bunged him a tenor he'd have done it because he's in the oasis don't look back in langer video he is isn't he yeah yeah i'm just watching that quietly now on youtube that video but i, I do remember this video but i didn't twig that it was to uh don't get me wrong. I mean, I love the Pretenders. One of those bands which I kind of learned to appreciate a bit as I've got older. But yeah, a good band and a good song. And they, they took off the best Avengers sidekick with Dana Rigg, uh, Mrs. Peel sidekick. 
And oh, yeah. There's a, re- a wrestling tie-in with the Avengers, though, because um, they did a tie-in with World of Sport Wrestling and the Avengers, and Honor Blackman, who'd been the previous companion or whatever they call her, had been Jackie Palo's manager. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Gareth Hunt was an ex- uh... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he has been in Doctor Who, so again, Cy Powell will cover him in a future episode. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was trying to think, because uh, I, I was thinking about the Companions and Tara King, and the and I, I thought, oh, she was in the new Saint, wasn't she? And I, I just had this really vivid image of her being in it, and I looked it up and she was in one episode, and I just it's just really random that I remember that. Okay. I mean, yeah, Diana Rigg in The Avengers. Yeah, I mean, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, D- Diana Rigg is the best Bond girl, um, and, and I know this yeah. is probably getting me some flack. Honor, Majesty's Secret Service, I believe, is the best Bond film. Okay. It's very sad ending, Which, obviously, isn't it? Well, yeah, but that, that kind of makes it. But, I mean, the scenery, you know, it's um, in, in Switzerland um, uh, on... Um, um, I've got this mountain top, which you can actually go to. I've been, I've been there. Um, it's absolutely stunning. Um, you know, the, the storyline. Um, they've even got um, Joanna Lumley's in that as well, who's another Avengers sidekick. Okay. And Telly Savalis is the baddie, who's Kojak. He's probably yeah. the best Bond baddie. Um, and I like George Lazenby. I know that's a controversial one, so I think it just wins on all cylinders, really. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Graham, we had on the show a couple of weeks ago. He's a big uh, Roger Moore fan. And, uh, yeah, he covered... Uh, I'm not sure if you ever listened to Smirsh Pod, but he go through all the... Um, all the Bond films. Uh, I think they went through them in order. I can't remember now. But yeah, they went through all the Bond films. And Stephen did Live and Let Die. That was it. No, not Live and Let Die. Um, a View to a Kill. View to a Kill. His favourite. Yeah. yeah. His favourite Bond film. But, um, yeah. but George Lazenby, was, was he Australian when he George Lazenby? He was, yeah. And I think that was part of the reason he got so much hate getting the part. Yeah. Because people didn't want an Australian playing Bond. No. God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, number nine is a song called Midas Touch by Midnight Star. Are you aware of the song? No, I couldn't remember this one at all. I no. played it. Can't remember it. No, I played it and couldn't remember it either. So um, we'll move on. So eight is uh, showing out Get Fresh at the Weekend by Mel and Kim. And Stock Aiken and Waterman, you know, one of their many uh, uh, hits, wasn't it? Which yeah. Always, whenever I hear Stock Aiken and Waterman, I always think of. Um, um, Pete Waterman on um, The Hitman and Her with Michaela yeah. Strachan. Yeah. But we're actually probably the one woman my dad was allowed to fancy with all these women, uh, that, uh, <laughs> with all these men that my mum was watching. I got a bit of the Michaela Strachan with my dad. Did you, um, again, this is probably a week out of day, but the, when Dennis Mortman did die, the uh, Tory um, minister, I can't remember what his name is now, but he put, uh, rest in peace, uh, Pete Waterman. <laughs> Underneath. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Wow. But Hitman and Her was, again, we, on this show, probably most weeks, I talk about ITV late night television in the mid to late 80s, early 90s. And Hitman and Her was got stock kind of uh, viewing for that sort of time period. Yeah. And it goes to different nightclubs, wouldn't it, around the country? And yeah. we, um, we had like a, a version in Bristol. <laughs> it's like a, a regional version of the hitman and her with a guy called graham purchase and graham this is gonna be relevant to probably nobody listening to this podcast but graham purchase was like a local newsreader and he played a like they sort of played up his i think he was slightly sort of middle to upper class they played up that sort of dressed him up like as a lord 
and he goes to like uh, nightclubs in the southwest and do like a kind of like hitman in her sort of thing with like a local oh, DJ. <laughs> no, with a local DJ. And uh, I, I can't remember what it was called now. But if there's anyone from Bristol listening to this podcast that um, remembers that, I, I'm going to hastily try and Google that now. But it was, um, yeah, it was like a, a regional version of the Hitman and her based in Bristol. So, I mean, yeah, you can imagine how good that was. But um, number seven, Notorious by Duran Duran. Yeah, yeah, which is famous for being sampled as well. Um, yeah. Notorious B.I.G. Um, featuring Little Kim and uh, Puff Daddy. Little Kim um, did Trish Stratus' theme, didn't she? So another wrestling tie-in. Another uh, wrestling Jason tie-in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently this was the uh, Notorious was inspired by the Alfred Hitchcock film Notorious. Okay, was it? Yeah, yeah well, apparently according to Wikipedia. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw what '86 uh, Duran Duran were probably. I mean, you think of Duran Duran, you think of the sort of girls on film Hungry Like the Wolf, which was a bit before this. Yeah. And they were trying we to be. Uh, yeah, they were a bit more kind of serious or try to be a bit more serious and mature by this point um apparently um two members of the band left um during the recording of uh, this single as well so yeah, it sort okay. of caused the band to implode so that probably explains the change in direction yeah yeah well they had uh, i can't remember what they made a sort of serious um side project was we covered them in the top 10 before but they had uh like uh, it was, I think it was Simon Le Bon and John Taylor sort of branched off and did an album, uh, which was basically sounded the same, <laughs> but they were called <laughs> cool something else rather than Duran Duran. Um, yeah, it's not like a jam style council. Uh, no, no, like no, 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 no. Shifting uh, yeah. quality or whatever. It wasn't much of a departure. No, it was the same stuff basically. But um, number six, you keep me hanging on by Kim Wilde. Uh, every man and his dogs covered this, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean uh, when, when I saw You Keep Me Hanging On was here, I thought, oh, whack the Rod Stewart on, and, and Beth came down, and she's like, what the fuck are you listening to? And I'm like, it's Andy's fault, it's Andy's fault. <laughs> Don't blame me. Yeah. Well, it's actually your fault, so I wouldn't have looked at it. Oh, it is actually my fault, yeah. 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 I mean... Uh, is it Supremes originally? I think it was, it was that Motown period, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I did, did Rod Stewart the version of it, did he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Oh, I'll be opposition yeah. later on. Mad- Madness have done a um, a version of it as well. Okay, so yeah, the Supremes did it. It's probably the best version. Then I suppose Kim Wilde, then Rod Stewart, <laughs> and then somewhere down the list will be uh, Madness. I don't like Madness. I didn't want to say that to Glenn Abbott when we had him on the show because he's a massive Madness fan. I was like, I was going for the top ten. I'd like a ten minutes worth of uh, Madness abuse written down, and Glenn was like, Oh, I know Suggs. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've seen them play lots of time. I just hastily crossing it all out, thinking, right, yeah, we just we just move on. But I, I don't mind them, Glenn, if you're listening. But they're not really my uh, not really my cup of tea. I don't like Scar and all that kind of crap. Um, uh, I just remember that uh, "Love Struck I've Fallen" for a lamppost song he did on his solo career. His solo career, oh, that was like mid nineties, wasn't it? He did. Um, yeah, it was. Cecilia, didn't he? He did, yes. Mm. That's Simon and Garfunkel, was it, yeah. originally? Yeah. 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 Not so good. Um, will I Ask of You by Cliff Richard and Sarah Brightman? You see, what I thought with this, I thought I won't make any notes on it because I know Andy will just have a, a you know, 10-minute monologue on Cliff Richard. Well, <laughs> well this is from um, <laughs> The Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera, yeah. Yeah, because Michael, um, Michael oh. Crawford... 
wasn't he? Oh, no, yeah, Michael Crawford, who better? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, who was... Did you remember Condor Man? Um, I remember the flew in the golden condor on the um, start of the theme tune to Cities of Gold. Okay, no, no, no. So Condor Man was, I'm not sure if that was Disney. It might have been Disney. But that was uh, Michael Crawford in his first Hollywood, uh, (laughs) his first, I'm probably only Hollywood Hollywood film. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) you're not aware of Condor Man. It's uh, it's Walt Disney. So you've got Disney Plus. Uh, yes, we do, yeah. If it's yeah, not so, on there, uh, then obviously you know what Disney think of the film, but it should be on there. It's Disney minus. Yeah, it's got Oliver Reed in it as well. So, All right, wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember I, I remember that as a kid. I don't remember being very good. But yeah, he's um, he's like a superhero, Condor Man. Fair enough. It's, it's probably it's definitely in the demographic of people that who listen to this podcast. They probably <laughs> wouldn't have seen it. But, but yeah, so I, go back I, in. It's not, I it's did not, not think you were going to go this way. I didn't think <laughs> you were going to go this way with the Cliff Richard song. Oh no 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 no. But um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know why. I don't know why because I I imagine in in the musical it would have been Sarah Brightman and Michael Crawford singing it. Maybe they thought Michael Crawford wasn't you know a big enough name. Well, I did wonder if Cliff Richard had had, had done you know because the, I, I guess they have you know maybe understood is the wrong name but they have people who do you know just a short run of shows or whatever rather than being in, in residency in the part don't they so he was you in know, you, you, uh, yeah he was in chess i think Cliff and i mean you know he did stuff like summer holiday and stuff so you know he's doing sort of musical musical films yeah so it's not a massive departure is it he's been in so cliff richard's been in um heathcliff the musical uh, he's also been in a musical called time which was um, had a short West End run, I think. And he's also been in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> <laughs> that famous music. It yeah. is actually a musical, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Aladdin and his Wonderful Lamp. Uh, Cinderella with music by the Shadows. In that, I'm not sure if that was a um, specific version of Cinderella. And he was also in a, a play called The Potting Shed. Yeah. Fair enough. Not, yeah. Well, uh, not, but uh, you, you failed to mention he was in um, chess with friend of the show Barbara Dixon. Oh yeah, I'm not sure he was in chess. I might have made that up actually. <laughs> the well, friend shed. of the show Barbara Dixon was in chess. Oh yeah, she was. Yeah. <laughs> the Potting Shed is uh, played by Graham Greene. It's a psychological right. drama which centers on a secret held by a family for nearly 30 years. Um, has it been adapted for the screen? Was that Graham Greene from The Goodies? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Bill Oddie plays uh, plays a woman in it, and uh, <laughs> no, uh, um, <laughs> it was actually a, a 1981 television production. The play was written by somebody called Pat Sandys and rep- and produced by Yorkshire Television. So, oh. yeah, I'm sure everybody at home is thinking, "Come on, we've all seen that." But, but yeah, I mean, I'm not sure whatever direction you were hoping I was going to go in with Cliff Richard, but <laughs> that's um, content. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Are you? I mean, as a, from a musical standpoint, are you, are you a fan of Cliff? Uh, there's a couple of songs. Uh, Wide for sounds, all right. Yeah, Devil Woman. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying I'm a fan, or I'd, I'd rush out and buy any of his music or anything. But you know, some of his songs are all right. I think early eighties, uh, Carrie as well. That's a good song. Uh, I know the Stephen King book. <laughs> oh yeah, I think it was in the film actually. 
right. pretty sure. Yeah, it is. I think. Yeah, I think it isn't actually. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it is in the film. I think he's using the soundtrack. Um, oh. Yeah, but that's your Cliff Richard segment of the show this week. Um, I'll go back to. <laughs> when we were recording that, my wife was in the room getting changed. She just had a shower. I don't know why. I'd like to go back now to say that I had a massive crush on Kim Wilde. I don't think, now, my <laughs> now my wife's a three. I don't think my wife would even know who Kim Wilde is. Um, but yeah, Kim Wilde. And um, moving on, we've got Walk Like an Egyptian next. And I'd like but to add that I had a massive crush on uh, Susanna Hoffs as well. So. <laughs> it, it, it was an absolute banger, this, wasn't it? Walk Like Egyptian. You know, Manic Monday, Eternal Flame. They, they had some really big hits, the Bangles. Yeah. And, and then they seemed to disappear somehow. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the Army Now by Status Quo. It's not um, whatever you want or rocking all over the world, is it? You know. No, you... no. I don't think it's Status Quo. I just think of Les Barrett as well. So. Well, he he found one of the bodies um, <laughs> yeah. from the Yorkshire River, didn't he? To he get did. back onto your serial killer. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I think he's probably the biggest Status Quo fan. As bad as me. I'm not sure if Bruce Jones in real life. Well, no, I'm not sure if he actually. I don't imagine he does like. I don't imagine the actor likes Status Quo as well. It wouldn't surprise me. Bruce I know, Jones. I just, I was, if you thought he was the biggest, I wonder if there were kayfabe in his height and weight like they're doing the wrestling. Well, yeah. When he got, I think he got punched in Coronation Street. He got, he got punched by Francis Rossi, I think. Oh, right. <laughs> in, I think they appeared like they appeared as themselves in um in Coronation Street. Scottish Daniel, though. Um, I, I remember Noddy Holder turning up in Coronation Street. Yeah. The Dennis think, Waterman yeah. never appeared in any soaps, did he? I don't think he appeared no, I don't in, think he it, did. No. Serena so, so, McKellen was in Coronation Street as well. Um, you know, so yeah, and Dennis Waterman's wife, Rula Lensk, or ex-wife, Rula Lensk, she was in Coronation Street, which I think she was having it away with Ken Barlow at one point. Mm, she was in I'm The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I remember that. yeah. I might have made that up. I think she was in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. She's that. She's the. the I think she's Ken's type. So. Was she the one with George Galloway on Big um Celebrity yeah. Big Brother? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Purring like a cat. Yeah. 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 Um. So from one big star in one so big soap star in Bruce Jones, we moved to another big soap star in uh, Nick Berry. Wixie. Wixie. Yeah, he worked at Wix. You know, he could uh, supply you with any uh, kitchen uh, <laughs> material, building materials he wanted, and write your name under the tile and then stick it on the wall as they do on the advert for no apparent reason. I mean, this was a big, oh, this is a big hit. I think I don't think it got to number one. Yeah, I'm not sure if it um, did or not. I don't know. I mean, but it was sort of at that time because they had Anita Dobson uh, releasing "Anyone Can Fall in Love" as well, didn't they? Yeah. The back of EastEnders, and and this really played into the storyline, didn't it? Because it was supposed to be um, Michelle and Lofty's song, and then yeah, she chilled yeah. him at the altar for Dirty Dan. Yeah, that was a strange storyline, wasn't it? Yeah, it's funny that because stuff like that, like the whole nation was watching, and you know, now that we've got choices, <laughs> there isn't stuff like that that everybody watches. No, no. So I mean, he so he came in. Like, yeah, again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like he's a wrestler now. He came in in 1986 and signed him with uh, <laughs> so many extenders. <laughs> well, he, he's, more, he's got more character and he's more over than a lot of wrestlers these days. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't in extenders for very long. He did like four years and he um, he left to uh, he, he left to further his, his, 
um, music career, which never really happened. No, and, and then they brought someone in as his brother, didn't they? You know, it's something Wicks. It wasn't so, you know. Um, well, the Wicks family. Wick, David yeah. Wicks. David uh, Wicks, yeah. And I remember he was on Football Focus once because he had some, like, small ownership of Sheffield Wednesday at some point. <laughs> David Wicks. <laughs> yeah. Michael, what was his name? Michael... Oh, Michael French, I want to say. Hang on. Something like that. I think at some point they, they did this sort of um, fan ownership thing and sold like 2,000 shares or something. Okay. Um, so that they'd have fan ownership and uh, he, he had one of them. <laughs> part owner of part owner of Sheffield Wednesday, my dear Michael yeah. French. Oh, it's like it's like like owning the hoof of a racehorse or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had magnificent hair, fantastically coiffured. Yes. Uh, David Wicks. So he was. So they're all Pat Butcher's sons. Yeah. The Wicks, the Wicks boys. Um. But yeah. So so yeah, Wixie, the original Wicks, didn't um. Yeah, didn't stick around for too long. Then he obviously went and um. Signed with ITV. <laughs> <laughs> he jumped. Yeah, David Wicks has crossed the line. Don West in the uh, background. Yeah, Nick Berry is coming to yeah. ITV. <laughs> but yeah, so he, he signed and was in Heartbeat, and that was massive Heartbeat. Heartbeat was insanely big. That sleepy Sunday evening. It's like you've got your Sunday evening stock things. You've got your. It's based in the countryside. It's uh, sort of mild police crime based drama, you know, and you've got like a catchy theme tune. That's that's archetypal Sunday evening viewing. My next door neighbour when I was uh, growing up had uh, a very short run in um, <laughs> Heartbeat. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Although, to be fair, all he ever did, because um, yeah. it was a semi-detached he, house and his, Nick, his bedroom. Nick Murray put uh, him over. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. He'd been watching too much Patrick McNee on um, Oasis videos because he, he was learning to play that on the, on the guitar and he just played it non-stop. And because he was okay. an actor, he didn't have a job half the time. So, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so was he in Heartbeat then? Very briefly uh, and not for very long. I think the only speaking part he had was... Um, he, he said to uh, Alas, do you want a pork pie? I get them half price when they're out of date. <laughs> but he was a jobber. He was a, a jobber yeah. heartbeat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, heartbeat, yeah, it was, that was six years, heartbeat. And oh. then after um, after his run, in, uh, run at heartbeat, he went back to uh, very similar, like Cody Rhodes. He went back to BBC and did like heartbeat on the uh on the coast which is called harbour lights do you remember that i can't i can't remember that, that that's like the knots landing spin-off of dallas though isn't it yeah that was set in uh in bridport and it was him and tina hobley who was in coronation street they did a lot of the barmaid i can't remember what her name was now in coronation street um that didn't lunch. last very long not bet lynch it would have <laughs> lasted longer if it was bet lynch was in it it didn't last very long. Two series, 16 episodes. Yeah. But, I mean, Heartbeat must have been filmed in your neck of the woods. Wasn't that Heartbeat? It's somewhere generically in Yorkshire. I'm not sure where it is. Yeah. To be yeah. honest. Well, he's now a retired actor, Nick Berry. So if you if you were thinking about contacting him for work, don't, because he's uh, retired. And now he's a house husband, according to Wikipedia. So, oh, excellent. We, we can probably get on UTT to cover some NWA Hammerlock <laughs> or some shit. <laughs> I didn't realise, apparently, he was going out with Julian Telfor for a while when he was in EastEnders. 
Oh, she was the one that got pulled over, wasn't she? For a um, that's one word for him. You know, well, well she, she was already they were already pulled over with the handbrake on when the police caught him. Yeah, um, but she was. I'm trying to think. They, they must. She must have been a bit older than Nick Berry. So Nick Berry I think, is. Gillian Taylor's deceptive. I think she looked older than she was. Okay. Yeah, Nick Berry is 59. Julian Telforth is... Just bear with us. Bear with us, listeners. Um, 66. So seven years. So. Oh, okay. I remember she was. So, really. so I think it was Jeff Knights was the guy who, who she got um, caught giving a hand job to or something. Did she on a lay-by? Oh, hang on. No, I've got I'm on the Wikipedia page now. Uh, dee, 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 dee. Knights and Telforth had an extensive tabloid media history. Uh, Telforth was involved in a high-profile court case where she sued the Sun for libel. I mean, obviously, don't read the Sun, but they ran a story claiming that she and Knights had performed sexual acts on the slip road on the A1 in their Range Rover. So, <laughs> Telforth. <And> <laughs> I mean, I mean, the slip road's just dangerous. I mean, the A1 people are just reversing out of the drives on, into traffic. So, um, well. Um, the tail force defense was that she claimed that her partner had been suffering an acute attack of pancreatitis, which isn't very nice, I can tell you. I, I haven't got it, but I looked at people with it. And she was merely massaging his stomach to soothe his abdominal pain. Yeah, a good Samaritan. Yeah. However, you know, I, th- I think we owe her an apology. Well, hang on. <laughs> However, a police officer claimed that she was performing fellatio instead. Um... During the court it, case, it probably <laughs> would make him feel better. Let's be honest. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think it would do much for his pancreatitis. It'd take the edge off it, I think. But um, during the court case, uh, the Sun's defense counsel entered into a 35-minute home video of Telforth suggesting posing, uh, suggestively posing with a large sausage, graphically stimulate, uh, simulating and stimulating masturbation with a wine bottle. And boasting to the camera, I give Gary very good head. All right, okay. Um, and the jury returned a ten to two majority verdict in favour of the Sun. Wow, that's the first time that's ever it's happened. That, after which, <laughs> Telforth collapsed and was taken away in an ambulance. Mm. <laughs> so sounds, sounds like a, an opponent of Mike Awesome in two thousand WCW. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that's Julian Telforth and the fellatio incident touched this week. I mean, I knew, I think, you know, everybody knew we were going to probably cover that at some point on the show. But um, number one in the, the pop charts this week is Take My Breath Away by Berlin. That's Wonderkin, Alex Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, no, I, we've been robbed, Andy. We were fucking robbed. I know this is 1986, but I demand a recount. Okay. Because this is from Top Gun. And this yeah. is not the best song off the Top Gun album. Where the fuck is Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone? I'll tell you where it is. 58. Is it? So, oh, it's disgraceful. Where did it, um, where did it, was that, what was the peak? Is that, was it on his way up I, or on his I, way down at this point? I know, I, I don't think it even got in the top 10, uh, which is disgraceful. But it is quite um, prescient because on this episode, uh, you know, when we're covering NXT TakeOver Chicago, there are quite a few wrestlers that we'll see that uh, should be put in the danger zone. <laughs> um, I mean, where, where do you stand on Loggins? 
is. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a massive fan of logins in general. I'm a major fan of logins, um, Danger Zone. Okay, because Footloose was a good yeah. song. Uh, I, I don't, uh, Danger Zone's in my playlist already. Um, the, other, the others had to be uh, looked up on this chart. <laughs> Okay, it's all it's all right as well. I think that was uh, Kenny Loggins. I'm not sure. That's for I'm all right, which was in Caddyshack. That was a few from Caddyshack. That was Loggins. Uh, when you said it's all right, I was thinking that was um, one of the lyrics from End of the Line, which was sampled in the theme song to New Tricks, sung by Dennis Waterman. <laughs> it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, it all ties in. You think you think we just come up with this stuff on the on the fly, but hours of hours of research goes into this stuff. Um, yeah. but I, I, I do, I, that's a good that's a, that is a good song. Take my breath away by Berlin. I think if if we, if no Kenny Loggins Danger Zone. It's not no 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 no. And to be fair, if I went to a, if I went to a disco now, <laughs> I'm not sure if disco still exists. But if I, went, if I went to one, I'm probably more likely to dance to Kenny Loggins than I am to uh, Take My Breath Away by Berlin. So which is a shame because you know Alex Wright, Das Wunderkind have some dance moves. He did, yeah, I remember rightly, yeah. Yeah. I don't he, think he was actually... in the Dancing Fools with Disco Inferno. Yeah. I don't think actually we did not really cover much Alex Wright on this show, surprisingly. Um yeah, I think that'll probably that'll carry on being a theme, to be honest. But... <laughs> right, we're now oh, God knows how many minutes in, so we'll we'll now unfortunately start talking about some wrestling. So Yeah. So NXT takeover Chicago. This was the well, I can't remember which number of takeover this was, to be honest. Um, I don't know, but the starting tagline for this whole show, and, and it's a shame that my podcast partner, Dan Griffin, isn't here because it said, welcome to the city of wind. And we'd have got a giggle out <laughs> down at that point. Yeah. So the intro is all, um, well, it's Bobby Roode, who's the NXT champion at this point. Yeah. And Hideo Itami, who's, who's going to be taking him on. Mm-hmm. And you see Asuka as well, who's... Entering a kind of heel phase in NXT. Yeah, we get uh, clips from Roderick Strong's "I Used to Live in My Car" video, which uh, this is oh, new we'll, for everyone who was a cruiserweight at this point. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so we get the authors of pain are gonna finish off DIY. Sanity for some reason don't have got an issue with Roderick Strong. I can't really recall what it is, but something related to him having a baby. <laughs> we'll get to that. I mean, Roderick Strong's just lucky for what he gets, really, isn't he? He should be grateful for whatever angles he gets, Roderick well, Strong. Well, yeah, yeah. There's a, bit of, I got, yeah, a lot of Roderick Strong issues. And Tyler Baton, Pete Dunn. Yeah, yeah. Um, our Scrappy-Doo, as he's known now on SmackDown. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll get to it. So, yeah. Rocket League presents... But, I don't know what Yeah, which is a ripper. Yeah, well, it's a, a cross between um, racing and football, but it seems very similar to WWE Crush Hour that uh, was released on the GameCube, which is uh, a lot of fun, really. Nothing to do with wrestling, but <laughs> you get Did to blow people's cars up. I've got it, yeah. yeah. I've got yeah, I've got a collection of retro wrestling games. Um, so yeah, because the release had to buy it, but yeah, you, you just go around these different zones. It's a little bit like Mario Kart, but with bigger weapons and stuff and um you know samples of rob van damme's voice when you shoot people yeah <laughs> it sounds amazing yeah uh, and probably pretty much the same as rocket league yeah oh yeah uh so we're in the Allstate arena in, in chicago and we've got nigel mcginnis tom phillips and percy watson yeah uh, percy who can watson. remember percy watson well there we go 
he, he was on um, the original sort of game show NXT, wasn't he? Yeah, well, I've got I've got a bit of a rundown of Percy Watson actually. So he was a uh, an ex college and I think a, a minorly successful pro footballer and signed. Oh, JR would have loved him. Oh yeah, he would have loved him. Yeah, in in two thousand and nine, and he was in that the second season of NXT, uh, and he was Showtime Percy Watson. Where he was, and then we're going to see Showtime Eric Young in the next match as well. <laughs> yeah. But he, Percy Watson was like noted to be like a sort of fun character wrestling with his glasses on trying to be a bit like kind of eddie murphy bowfinger character <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah uh he finished fifth in season two can you remember who won season two of nxt season two of nxt and that was the one with like lucky dragon and stuff wasn't it it was it was Caval. it was it was loki yeah, yeah. Uh, he hung around NXT for a few years, and as the seasons went on, they did more stuff with like getting old people back, didn't they? And it turned into like, um, like a instead of being a competition, it turned into like sort of it was an NXT Redemption. And they, they obviously have the NXT, the ladies NXT, and the. Yeah. I quite like some of the storyline NXT where they sort of they were still doing the game show, but they'd have you know Dirty Johnny Curtis and Maxine had kidnapped Matt Stryker and put him in a cupboard, which just so happened to uh, tra- traverse time and space to be whatever arena they were the following week. And um, <laughs> yeah, you know Derek Bateman uh, getting his tag team match uh, with mm. Daniel Bryan and stuff. You know there, there were some decent stories at the end, and yeah, I, I really did like. <laughs> Fandango's character at that point um, in it. And, and Maxine was great you know we've um, covered some Lucha Underground we're going to cover more on UTT and um, uh, Katrina who's Maxine in NXT uh, is absolutely brilliant yeah and when Goldust was going to get married to uh, to uh, Oksana wasn't he for, for the that I, I love that segment yeah where um, you know he because um, Ted DiBiase comes out and tries to spoil <laughs> the wedding and yeah. Goldust said that you know he thought this would happen he had to go and get himself a minister and then the million dollar man's music hits yeah <laughs> yeah oh that, that was brilliant um he had a bit of a a run as a jobber when NXT, the kind of the serious NXT, from when they started showing, actually taping the shows in Florida and their actual proper wrestling shows. Um, and he got released in 2014, then came back in 2016 as a commentator for about a year and then was gone again. Yeah. And to be fair, you wouldn't actually know he was on. <laughs> he doesn't really no. say much in this at all. No, no, you wouldn't miss him if you were gone, would you? No, no. So first match and we get we get Sanity. So yeah. uh- Eric Young, accompanied by Alexander Wolf and Killian Dane. Um, yeah. So Eric, yeah, Young, I, yeah, Eric Young came in in October of 2016. I think he came in like at a one-off match with Samoa Joe. So the Samoa Joe debuted. I remember that he came in and he pointed at the belt and he said, I collect those. Mm. Yeah, because it had been sort of impact and he was, you know, the, the legend or TV champion. He, he was tag team champion. He, he was one half of the knockouts tag team mm. champions with the ODB. No, where I, I, the, the catchphrase yeah. they had was um, she knocked them down and he knocked them up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to kind of present day NXT, I think, during various points in this, this show, but. Obviously, how old do you think Eric Young must have been? What mid thirties at least at this point when they brought him in? Yeah, 
at least. I mean, he was around forever in TNA because he, he did that, was it World Sport Extreme or whatever it was called? And he, he did, you know, the concussion angle that he had. Yeah. Um, he did the tag team you know, with uh, Orlando Jordan where Orlando Jordan fought there were a couple and he just fought there were a tag team. Um <laughs> You know, he, he did um, the bit where, where he was TV t- champion and he was running around trying to um, fight people from TV. So he uh, attacked Scott Banner uh, from Happy Days on the golf <laughs> yeah. course. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was part of, you know, the, uh, I don't know if you'd say the rebooted NWO or whatever, but he was tagging with um, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall when, mm. um, they, when Hogan came back. You know, he, he's been there forever. He, he had a run. Runners champion in TNA, you know, just such a, such a long and varied career. I'll say this about people later on in the show. There are certain wrestlers who stay in the same gimmick and think they're just going to get over by plowing the course. That is not Eric Young. Eric yeah. Young has reinvented himself over and over and over again. He did the super Eric thing, you know, where he was sort of the ridiculous superhero running down to the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, last week, the show we covered from last week, um, Sacrifice 2007. He, he was on that show. He felt like he'd been around for ages then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, he was like Jeff Jarrett's little mate and feuding with Bobby Roode, who yeah. again, 10 years later, <laughs> he was going to be uh, in NXT. Um, but yeah, so he came back then in, in October with this with this new faction, uh, Sanity, which was initially Eric Young, Alexander Wolf, Nicky Cross, and Sawyer Thornton. But he got injured and ended up bringing in um, old big Damo, Killian Dane. He was married him. to um, yeah. um, Nikki Cross. Uh, yeah. I was just uh, going by. Yeah. Uh, so Sanity's first hot feud was with, uh, obviously, with Ty Dillinger. In the next there, there was a lot of Ty Dillinger. I mean, Sean Spears is uh, <laughs> it's just there in AEW, isn't it? You know, I mean, I always joke about Sean Spears because he comes out and just in a set of lapels because he can't afford a full jacket. But yeah. um, you know, it, it's it's unbelievable that someone who you know, I mean, whenever in this show the people are on the outside, the crowd are chanting ten for every count because of Ty Dillinger. Yeah, and yeah, and it's just nothing in AEW. And to be fair, he was, apart from that 10 gimmick, he was nothing in NXT, was he? I don't know. He, he was sort of the plucky underdog sort yeah, he of was there. Um, I mean, he, he was there for fucking ages, wasn't he? Like, well, yeah. Yeah, I believe he signed uh, when it was the Capital Wrestling um, <laughs> company <laughs> under Jess McMahon. <laughs> so he was, he was like famously the, the guy who'd been in developmental for Christ knows how long and, and finally got over with the... Uh, the whole perfect 10 thing. Yeah. And then they, that was, that was the thing with it. When, when he actually made his debut, his main roster's debut, was at Royal Rumble, wasn't it? It was a perfect yes. time to, to do that. And then they finally brought him up to the main roster, didn't they, for a brief period. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, it didn't happen. No. But yes, he joined in 2006 in WWE. So, and that was... I thought you were going to say 1956, he had his first match against Gorgeous George. <laughs> yeah, and then he became Ty Dillinger in NXT in 2013. So he was in seven years before. Um, yeah, that's quite impressive. Uh, I think you don't like him in AEW then, no? I, 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 the thing is, I, I, it's not even enough to dislike him. It, it's, it's just a nothing. But I don't know, I mean, he's, he's kind of... 
re- like aligned with somebody who's in major storylines. So I don't think if you're going to get much else, if he was on his own, because he was, wasn't he? He was with... Um, I was with MJF now. Um, yeah. You know, he, he was with, the, you know, he's been with the Pinnacle and all this hmm. sort of stuff. But he, he just feels like you could replace him with anybody else. He's the chairman. <laughs> La Parker is the chairman. <laughs> La Parker has charisma. La Parker got, has his own cooking show on MLW. <laughs> he's got that really kind of um, elaborate kind of en- intro as well. With like flash dance kind of uh thing where he sits on the chair and uh yeah. Oh if he pulled uh, the toilet thing and a lot of water splashed over <laughs> yeah. it and that'd be better. And then he just fucked off, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'd all be happier. Uh, but having said that, he's got more charisma than Roddy Strong, so Oh yeah, I mean yeah, we'll get to we'll get to Roderick Strong in a minute. But so yeah, so that was a big feud for sanity when it first started. Um and Eric Young beat Tidalinger Orlando Takeover. And then not long after that, the match with Sanity versus Ty Dillinger, Roderick Strong, Cassius Ono and uh, Ruby Riot in a match. Um, and then a big cage match, which was just before, I think Ty Dillinger was just about to go up into the main roster after the Rumble or after WrestleMania. Um, and that was the end of that feud. And then they went in that kind of just tapered off into then Sanity and Roderick Strong having this feud. But like you said earlier, we got, I mean, he's, he is probably one of the most boring people in the world. And the order is strong, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the episode of Father Ted when um, that priest comes to visit who's really boring and he won't go away. <laughs> and it's, yeah. uh, he, he gets yeah. struck by lightning. Yeah. I just wish Roderick Strong had got struck by lightning. Uh, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a competent wrestler. Mm-hmm. But there's just nothing to him. He's dry white toast. Well, again, he was the the one person in the uh, what were they called? The undisputed era, weren't they? In, in NXT, which were a few months away from that starting up. Yeah. Obviously, Adam Cole's Adam Cole, and the other two, uh, they got there. They got each other. The other two I, think, yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think Bo- I've seen Bobby Fish on the Indies. Bobby Fish has a bit of charisma about him. Kyle O'Reilly. I thought just just before he left NXT 2.0, Kyle O'Reilly was finding his feet. He was finding a bit of a character, and there was yeah. something to him that wasn't just, I'm going to go in the ring and kick people and go home um, and have a 20-minute match or whatever. He was actually you know, fleshing it out, and he, he, he was getting it. And then mm. he went to AEW, and... He thought, nah, fuck that. I'm going to revert to type and you know give up the character work, and it's a real shame because he was just on the cusp of like you know once you've got a character, you can sort of build it and people can engage with it over and above the technical competence of the match. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that, that was it. It was the he always seemed to be the one Roderick Strong that was kind of like yeah, their attack team. Adam Cole's going to be going for the main title, and then you've got then you've got Roderick Strong who's you sleep in his car. Also, there, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in in the 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 weeks leading up to leading up to this pay per view, we get vignettes about trying to make him look kind of interesting. But I mean, to be fair, his mum shot his dad, which is is quite interesting. Wow. I, I well, I didn't even know that. You know, I, I don't you didn't watch those vignettes. On that. 
I did, I did while I just fell asleep because they're talking about sleeping in his car. It just reminded me of that time on um, Football Focus when Patrick Bamford said that he used to cry in his car at Burnley because nobody liked him. And then all the football <laughs> fans were uh, chanting, he cries in his car whenever he's going to take a corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the first one is all about his like, upbringing and his childhood. And he had a pretty rough childhood. Um, I went back and checked. And, like His mum actually did shoot his dad. That was just an angle they said on wow. TV. Uh, and then Although, the next but- one... Yeah. Buff Bagwell shot his dad. Did he? Yeah, he did, yeah. So, but there's farm there. But but then Buff Bagwell's got charisma as well. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, and then the week after, they talk about uh, him having a baby with um, his fiance at the time, Marina Schaffer. Yes. Who's, is she, yeah, she's now in AEW, isn't she? Mm. Yeah, yeah. She's not very charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> well, she she was the Ronda Rousey tax, you know that. Um, you know, Brian Clough always said that. You know, when he's pl- when he sign a, a skillful player, you've got to sign his mate as well. Yeah. And you know, it felt very much when they signed Ronda Rousey that they had to sign her mates, and unfortunately, they you know, Shayna Baszler was quite quite a good return on that signing, but yeah. Maria Shafir and Jessima Duke was it? Um, yeah, yeah, they they were definitely the Ronda Rousey tax. The four horsewomen, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so then obviously it turns into he's now fighting for his family. He's not just fighting for himself. So it still doesn't make it very interesting, to be honest. No. No. Although we are about to, I can hear Kenny Loggins in the background because we're about to enter the danger zone. Okay. Because Drake, Drake Wirtz is refereeing this match. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll get to Drake Wirtz in a minute. Yeah, I mean, so... Before this, they have um, you know, number one contenders match with Hideo Itami to decide who faced Bobby Roode, and he obviously lost that. And then after that match, he got beat up by Sanity, um, which led to this match. But yeah, but I, I was, I mean, they put a lot of time and effort into Sanity in their intro and that kind of thing, didn't they? But they put some time that, and effort into it, yeah. One of the things that Black and Gold NXT did really well was the entrances. Yeah, you know, you look at Nakamura, oh, yeah. Bobby Roode, oh, Ty Bobby, Dillinger, yeah, yeah. Um, Tyler Breeze, um, The Ascension, mm-hmm. you know, you name it. Every the, the Wyatt family, there was just a one after another of amazing entrances. Yeah, when we get to Bobby Roode later, he is literally the epitome of <laughs> basically that is he's just made him into a yeah he is an entrance and that is pretty much. It. But yeah, well yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, so this was That's um a, that that is not it. He is the it factor of professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it brings it in the context because I was talking about him last week from ten years ago, and he looked in two thousand and seven. He looked in his late thirties. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't really aged. You know, I mean, he's got a haircut no. in that time. That's about it. Um, but again, Bobby Roode has reinvented himself. You know, he, he was like Mr. Wall Street Bobby Roode, and and then he was beer, beer money Bobby Roode, and and then he yeah. was in you know the Dirty Heels with Austin Aries. You know, he had his It Factor of Professional Wrestling. You know, he, he's got the glorious Bobby Roode. He's got the Dirty Heels with Dolph Ziggler. Um, you know. Oh, I mean, I'm he, not having that as a reinvention. <laughs> no, he, he's, but he's not. But he, he's not standing still. Um, you know, fair no. to say, and no, and but, there's no way you can say that the beer money Bobby Roode is anywhere close to glorious Bobby Roode. 
But when you say he's not standing still, I'd say for the last five years, he's just been jogging on the spot. Pretty much. No, but he's not, well. He's he's not afraid. He's, when he's got the ability to, he's not afraid to reinvent his character. Mm. I think we, we got we got a good, a good twenty minute Bobby Reed segment coming up later on. So, um, but yeah, I, I like the intro for for Sanity. It looks quite scary, doesn't it? Um, yeah, no, I mean they, they put a lot of thought and effort into it, and they carried it through. You know, even when Nikki Cross has got a match on her own, you know, they they're sort of doing it on their own. They're doing it when they're together. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but again, another thing where Roderick Strong stands out is he just got, basically his intro is just Roderick Strong put on the screen and <laughs> <laughs> and then like uh, somebody mm. yeah a little bit of piano at the start of his intro and he comes out in a little jacket doesn't he? No, he doesn't because he comes out and he attacks them from behind doesn't he? But normally yeah. I, I watch this when the Rock Contenders match against the Deo Atami and yeah he comes out the Deo Atami he's got his music and a bit of a kind of charismatic sort of intro kind of thing and then yeah. Roderick Strong comes out with with his little intro with his little tracksuit with with RS written on it it's like oh god um and but yeah I mean he's a bit of fire at the start of this he attacks Sanity takes him out yeah 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 and, and I like that I like when there is heat in a match that they don't just start it out with um a lock up you know yeah. if you really hate your opponent why would you do that yeah um yeah. Did, did you notice that Drake uh, Wurtz had been on his holiday to Saint-Tropez? He like he'd been to Chernobyl. <laughs> <Saint-Tropez>. <laughs> <laughs> so he went nuts, didn't he, Drake Wurtz, pretty much? Yeah, yeah. He had some controversial views about Black Lives Matters and uh, the LGBTQ plus community. And uh, he, he was uh, looking to join the Proud Boys at one point. Uh, <laughs> and, and then he was well into QAnon. Um, yeah. But he was always because he's. I remember him like from the old days of him being. I can remember seeing him on old YouTube videos and clips, sort of wrestling when he was. What was he called? Drake. Oh, when he was an actual wrestler, he was called Drake Younger. He was in like Chikara and that kind of thing, and oh. I can remember hearing his name mentioned. Uh, and then he ended up being um, a ref, and then losing his mind. <laughs> Apparently, and becoming oh. into yeah QAnon and COVID and and all that conspiracy stuff and just going nuts. Basically. Yeah, it, yeah. WWE fired him when um, there was evidence of him at uh, an anti-mask mandate virtual town hall. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, got I mean, he was... He's got a nice town though, hasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like a certain film that Gene Wilder was in in the sixties. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I did, actually I didn't mind this match. No, it, it was steady away. It was, um, uh, yeah, uh, technically competent as um, a lot of Roderick Strong's career is. Um, you know, so, so so that was all right. Um, I, I did uh, a few times. I don't know if this is a bad sign. Um, I did, every time I saw a guy going around selling beer, I've noted it. Okay. So the, there are three times in this match when I've noted that there's the beer guy's back. Right, okay. That's not a good sign, is it? It's not. No. no. I just enjoyed Eric Young's facial expressions throughout the match. <laughs> Eric Young is always good always good value for money. Uh, Roderick yeah. Strong's there too, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame that with Eric Young, I suppose... I don't imagine... I mean, he could have maybe, if he would have got a, got a deal earlier or gone up to the main roster straight away, 
you could see him being a, a sort of comedy character, couldn't you? And maybe getting over that way. Yeah, it does I seem mean, a waste. Yeah, it does. You think, well, I don't know. What what are you been running around in the twenty four seven title oh, picture? But did he not actually do that anyway when he came up to well, the ring yeah. eventually? Probably did. But um, yeah, I think the thing the thing with Eric Young and one of the things I'm maybe a little bit surprised about him not lasting is the people that seem to last in WWE are the ones that will roll with the punches and and go with the creative. Yeah, you know, the classic example is the Undertaker. You know, you give anyone else that gimmick, and they would have gone down with a boo boo face and not lived it. But you know, he completely lived it, even though it was ridiculous, and turned it into the uh, one of the hottest gimmicks of all time. Yeah, and you know, whatever they'd given Eric Young, much much like Our Truth has done, uh, I could see Eric Young carving out that kind of career. Yeah, I think he yeah. So he, they, uh, I mean, they ended. He ended up. They got drafted to SmackDown the year after this, pretty much a year after this. And they had a few little. Um, I think they attacked the Usos when they made their debut. And then he wrestled Jeff Hardy for the US title. <laughs> but they were, um, yeah, they were. I think he by like a year later they were pretty much gone. He was let go at the start of the pandemic when he when they cut a load of people. Um, but yeah, it didn't really work. I think they brought him up as a group without Nicky Cross. So I think it was yeah. Eric Young and probably Wolf and um, Killian Dane. But they didn't really do much with them. So yeah. a bit of a shame. But again, all, I mean, to be fair, Killian Dane isn't everyone. He didn't really. I mean, he stuck around for a while, didn't he? But you yeah, he would have. I don't know because he's big in British terms, but he's not big in American terms. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he doesn't look like a big monster in in America. Um, you know, and he carved out this sort of niche for himself as the monster on the um, the UK Indies, you know, in ICW, etc. Um, but there has to be a bit more about you, um, you know, on the bigger stage. And I'm not sure he had that, to be fair. No. Yeah, you're right. I mean, again, with a lot of people on this show that aren't with the company anymore, you can kind of see probably in in the long term why they weren't as successful when they got called up to the main roster because of the way just the way WWE do things. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I mean Roderick Strong wins with that that what's that backbreaker called? This, this the nice... end of heartache. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah and he wins and then runs away and he's 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 finally, you know, got one over on sanity. So it's funny that you know because Normally, a finisher is something um, that relates to the person, you know, like the Stone Cold Stunner, or it's something that relates, you know, the, the character or what they're doing, uh, you know, honky tonk man's shake, rattle and roll, that kind of thing. Yeah. What on earth has the end of heartache got to do with Roderick Strong? Yeah, I'm not sure. No, <laughs> no he's just not far. He's far. I'm going to turn up. I'm going to go down to the ring in my pants and little jacket, and I'm going to wrestle. Yeah, and yeah, he's put zero effort into his character, and and that's why he's where he is. Hmm. Got nice hair though. Well, I mean, where is he now? Now he's he's the kind of in diamond mine. Well, yeah. he's still in NXT. <laughs> he's trying to get out, isn't he? That's what the the, the yeah. reports were because he's wearing he's wearing his little jacket on NXT, and he's trying to get out so he can go and wear his little jacket on AEW. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I I think I can't imagine there because obviously. Bivens got released, didn't he? So, or, or he left. I can't imagine they want to keep him around for 
much longer unless they want to give him because that he's not he's actually his real name isn't Roderick Strong is it I'm not sure what his real name is his real name is because that seems to be the thing at the minute of everybody's has to if anyone who's had of their own name has to get rid of it don't they or has to be changed or has to be I do kind of understand that though because you know and then people get really upset about this but WWE is putting them out there in primetime television. They're they're investing a lot of money in the in these people and they're building equity in that brand. You know, if if they put Roderick Strong in the main event of WrestleMania, they they are building it in accountancy terms. A lot of goodwill in the product of Roderick Strong. Now, if they were to call him Jeff Capes Jr. or whatever they're going to call him. Yeah. They own that brand and they can make money off it and they get a return for the investment that they've put in. If they let him be Roderick Strong and they let him wander off to AEW as Roderick Strong, as main event at WrestleMania, then they pull up, put all these hours of television into him, then they lose that goodwill and that automatically transfers onto the balance sheet of AEW. Yeah. In business terms, it makes zero fucking sense to do that. Yeah. We're not giving him Jeff, Jeff Capes Jr. That gimmick needs to be reserved for somebody more, far more charismatic than Roderick. Well, well, whatever you're going to call him, you know. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Call yeah. Him, you know. Well, don't call him Christopher Lindsay because that's his real name. So it's a bit close to Chris Linsky, who was uh, a referee and the uh, um, uh, a manager in uh, the UK, uh, the UWA. If people want to go back in the archives of uh, okay. UTT podcast, listen to Chris Linsky doing a shit American accent. <laughs> They should call him Christopher Biggins. They should Chris, Christopher Biggins. El Hio del Christopher Biggins. <laughs> Put a mask on him. <laughs> or, or just Biggins when he gets to the main roster, obviously. Uh, let me get a promo for uh, Backlash, which is the night after this. Uh, and it talks about um, Nakamura is about to make his main roster debut against yeah, Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've so, very much enjoyed recently um, Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Um, they were doing an advert for some kind of pickup truck, but they were going on holiday together, camping and stuff, and they'd like yeah. go canoeing and they'd go hunting and all this stuff, and it, and it was just brilliant. You know, <laughs> often when wrestling does product placement in the product, they get it wrong. They fucking knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 I'm assuming he's he's getting paid quite a lot of money. Nakamura, and he's having a nice, a nice life, and he's yeah. not getting his, he's not getting his head kicked in most nights. That's so what wrestling's about. People don't yeah. realise this. They, they they think it's about going and putting on a great match in a bingo hall, and mm. you know, yeah, that, that's all well and good. You know, I mean, we we've reviewed Big Daddy on this show, and there's no better example of someone who who knew how to do wrestling properly. Yeah, you know, a couple of belly butts and driving a Bentley home. Yeah, beating up some Nazis. Roderick Strong is putting on great matches and sleeping in his car. Big Daddy is putting on shit matches, getting in his Bentley and driving home to his mansion. Yeah. You know, do do you see the difference? Yeah, yeah. Um, Nakamura won that match. If anyone's interested against Dolph Ziggler, Um, and then what do we get? We get uh, a bit of Judas. I know, I couldn't believe Judas was on it. I thought thought the pain maker, Le Champion, was going to come out. (laughs) You'd have thought they might have... Demo God himself. Yeah. I suppose they... uh, He must get... I don't know, does he get any any fucking rights or... From that? I don't know, but... You thought some of the music they do cut out on on these shows. 
Um, this was the official. This was one of the official songs of uh, NXT Takeover Chicago. Yeah, and he gets played a lot all the way through, and you yeah. get the video later on as well, don't we? But yeah, uh, yeah, and we see Ruby Riot, Nasca, and uh, Nikki getting ready backstage for their match coming up. Yeah. Uh, so the next we get Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne. Yeah, yeah, and clips from the uh, UK tournament. We went to the UK tournament. Did you? Um, yeah, we only got night one because night two sold out. Um, uh, while we were on the website, it, it went, and we ended up like on the back row of yeah. uh, night one. But yeah, yeah, we were we were there for there for that. Uh, so yeah, so obviously Tyler Bate won that tournament to become the first WWE UK champion, and he beat yeah. he, he beat he beat people done in the final yeah and um i can hear kenny loggins in the background because he uh beat jack gallagher on the way there mm. and he wrestled jack gallagher in the weeks leading up to this on the next day as well yeah yeah um so. i may get the interview then with uh tyler bait wearing his blue peter badge <laughs> have you got a favorite um blue peter lineup did you watch blue peter oh, when you God, were a kid? I, I don't know a little, a little bit maybe um sarah green she was on Blue Peter, wasn't she? Oh, was she? Um, I'm sure. I'm going to have to get my... Uh, I don't think she was on Blue um, Peter. She was on... She was I'm on sure she was. Going Live. Oh, maybe with, I'm getting confused with that then. So, Janet... Um, Janet Ellis. Who's yeah, Sarah Green, backstage. Blue Peter. Okay, all right. I'm still going to Google it as well, just in case you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> no, she could... Yeah, 1980, 1983. Okay, well... Um, uh, who was the ginger hair blade? Mike Curry? I remember, um, oh God, there was one guy who got um, sacked because he, he was taking drugs and they had to pulp the run of the annual because he'd written two story, he'd written two articles in it. One was a story called Chasing the Dragon and another was a, um, uh, it, was, it was an article, it was how to pot your own plants, but they thought that was a little bit too close to how to plant your own pot. <laughs> Richard Bacon, wasn't it? It got done for Richard uh, Bacon. Yes, yeah, yeah, that was the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Peter Duncan as well. Oh yes, from Flash Garden. Yeah, I remember it. I remember them doing the thing on Blue Peter about him being on Flash Garden. Yeah, and he was in Return to Oz as well. Uh, oh, that that was uh, trippy, wasn't it? I went to the cinema. I still did stickers for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, my kids, one of my girls has got like a Blue Peter bunch. It's so still an ongoing thing, but yeah, Tyler Bate obviously a big fan of Blue Peter because he had his he had his badge on in the interview. And I was watching I was watching some of the other day, um, a kids program, and um, Noam Dar was on it <laughs> with right. uh, with somebody else like a, a female wrestler from NXT UK. Was Alicia Fox on there? Alicia Fox. <laughs> no, oh, I wish I wish that I wish they brought Alicia Fox to ICW with Noam Dar when they were sort of doing the. <laughs> You know, um, bringing the people in from WWE. I can just imagine Alicia Fox throwing Kaylee Ray through a Weatherspoon's window in Glasgow. I was going to say, you don't want Alicia Fox out in Glasgow, do you? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, that would that, that would have been... Alicia Fox is the best fit for ICW I've ever heard of. Well, WWE legend, Alicia Fox. Um, no, that was I, the... I really respect... And we were talking about making money in wrestling. Alicia Fox sat in catering for a decade, cashing paychecks... I mean, if, if there's ever been a better wrestler, I can't think of one. Yeah, I mean, she obviously she was a wedding planner when she came in. She was planning Edge yes, and uh, Edge's wedding. Yeah. 
Yeah. And she also managed. She broke the wedding panners code uh, by yeah. breaking up the wedding. And she managed uh, DJ Gabriel as well, didn't she? She did, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she was in Team Bella. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I said she is a legend. DJ Gabriel. I is think. English. I think. I. I honestly think that Alicia Fox is a legend. Okay. I didn't realize DJ Gabriel was from Preston. He's not actually. Is it? <laughs> you're thinking of where you're looking at Wade Barrett there. No, 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 no. He's from Berkshire, 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 Wokenham. Uh, but he was billed from Preston, England, for some reason, because something else obviously cooler than fucking Reading. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I've been to Reading and I've been to Preston. So it's, it's, <laughs> I sort of I actually. It's, it's and, a one and a half a dozen of the other, really. Yeah. So he had a brief run in ECW as DJ Gabriel. And he had like two matches and was was gone. It's a shame. But yeah. Um, yeah. How do we get onto Alicia Fox? Oh, Noam Dar and Blue Peter and uh, yeah. Kiss TV. So, um, so yeah, so he won that tournament. And then, I mean, to be fair, watching the NXTs leading up to this pay-per-view, they were pushing NXT UK. Yeah. Every week you had like an interview. Like there was one interview. Let's take a closer look at Wolfgang. <laughs> I, I can hear Kenny Loggins. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, a closer look at uh, Trent Seven and that sort of thing. And they're all right like, um, so Tyler Bate, I think his first defense of the title on NXT was against um, Trent Seven. And then he defended against um, Jack Gallagher. I can hear Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins again, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like leading up to this. So they were, I mean, they were giving it a fair old push. But I suppose this yeah. was NXT well, was solely on the network at this point, wasn't it? So it was, yeah. yeah. This is before NXT UK had a TV deal, though, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't even think they had the network show at this point. No, no. No, they were just sort of touring the indies with the belts. Um, mm. I remember I saw um, Tony Storm at Sendai Girls in Manchester defending the um, um, NXT Women's Championship. Um Again, I saw, saw an ICW with it. Um, you know, so they were sort of going. I saw tre- um, Tyler Bates in uh, TNT in Liverpool, and he wasn't allowed to work the show. So he was there as champion, but he was working work the merch stand, selling other young. people's merch. Yeah. No, no, he, because WWE had him under contract, oh, okay, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So they wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him wrestle, but he kind of wanted to be there and help. But you know, you've got a WWE champion just selling other people's t-shirts in the O2 in Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. We need to get just reminding me that I need to get um, Dave on for some point for that kind of Q and A about the the British wrestling and the his kind of perspective as a, as a former wrestler and, and a promoter. Because again, he said he was threatened with a lawsuit from WWE for like <laughs> five million quid, I think, for wow. uh, use of their images and stuff. So, um, but yeah, so I was I, Pete Dunne at this point. His hair uh, reminded me of um, Rick Mel when he was in Filthy Rich and Catflap. He had that kind of. Uh, <laughs> uh, that unfortunately, Rick Mel could have uh, would have towered over Pete Dunne and uh, been yeah. able to snap him in two. Uh, they, they both looked about twelve in this match, didn't they? Yeah, disgustingly yeah. young. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So we get Jim Ross comes out for this as well for some reason. Yeah, because um, everyone wants to hear the Oklahoma University anthem. Oh, fucking music. <sighs> so it's a Percy Watson and Tom Phillips have to leave, and Jim Ross comes in to talk about two blokes he's probably never seen wrestle in his entire <laughs> life. 
that makes sense. Well, um, was this a little bit subversive? Because the whole reason they'd started NXT UK was they wanted to try and kill World of Sport. And okay. Jim Ross had been the commentator oh, yeah. on the reboot of World of Sport. Maybe, maybe. Um, I hate that little wave Tyler Bate does as well. It's copying Trent Seven, isn't it? Yeah. Bad influences around him. Yeah. But this match is, yeah, I mean, it's a good match, isn't it? It's a decent match. I don't think it's as good as the hyperbole. Uh, I know you're going to go through the ratings at the end because you always do, but mm-hmm. um, I, I remember this one got, was it 4.75 or something? I can't remember now. I've not written you know, it down, and, so I'll look at the end, yeah. You know, and I mean, we've, we've reviewed quite a few sort of classic World of Sport matches. This isn't the best match that two British people have ever had. It, you know, the, this, this will be seen as... You know, quite an average match in 1970 World of Sport. Yeah. You know, this 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 isn't um, a Les Kelly or a um, you know, a Leon Harris that uh, we reviewed, Andy. You know, yeah. This isn't a, a Massim Buller or a Vic Faulkner or a Burt Royal. You know, it, it's not at that level. Uh, it gets held up to a big level, but you know, Dave Meltzer needs to watch more wrestling. I suppose you, you need to take it in the context of what's going on at the time as well. So in comparison to what else is being shown at this time what people you, you know that haven't that aren't aware of that sort of lineage of world of sport wrestling and that kind of thing it was seen as being you know like a groundbreaking match what i did like about it was there were a few world of sport spots that the crowd went along with and, yeah. and that tells me that you could do more world of sport type spots and the crowd would be happy enough to live with them in, in american wrestling yeah yeah and again this this again that that's something that kind of nxt crowd was well emperor's new clothes isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but i mean i could i'm like i think i can remember watching this at the time and again it was so this is what 2017 so before we even started doing this podcast uh and i had not gone back and watched any old stuff for quite a long time and i can remember this match being well again different to anything i'd seen in you know, probably 20 years. One of the things I really hate in wrestling, and, you know, this isn't a WWE thing, it isn't an AEW thing, you know, people do it across all promotions. Um, I, I can remember distinctly Becky Lynch doing it, I can remember distinctly Ruby Soho doing it, is the Pete Dunne hits a sit-down powerbomb, and it's one, and then we get the shocked fear, and that whole, that, that does not fit into Pete Dunne's character, Pete Dunn is supposed to be this, you know, vicious killer. He shouldn't be doing the shocked face. He should be straight back on him. I was watching um, a match the other day from uh, about this sort of time uh, period, 2017. Um, um, the guy who's now Santos Escobar, uh, it was King Cuerno at the time. And, you know, he hit his finisher and it was a two count and he was straight back stomping a mud hole into his opponent. Yeah. You know, because he's professional and he wants to win. And I hate it. it. You know, there's nothing, nothing that takes me out of the moment more than this shocked face thing that they do. Yeah. Especially with the, again, some of the camera work as well doesn't really help. You kind of zoom in on their face no. and they kind of, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it doesn't really fit in with the, with the character, especially in a match like this where you get so many near falls. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine Tank Abbott doing a shocked face? No. No, it wouldn't happen. Probably not. 
No, no, but he doesn't no. get any two counts, does he, anyway? Because he's always gets three oh. counts. So. But this is it. If someone did a chocked face against Tank Abbott, they'd be getting punched while they were doing the shocked face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, they, yeah, I mean, the crowd are behind this. So the crowd is also crowd chance of UK, UK, UK. Which, is, which uh, I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, lots of near falls and close falls. And, but we end up with, obviously, Pete Dunn wins. Yeah, he, um, he does. Yeah, it, it's quite because um, Pete Dunn reverses Tyler Bate, the Tyler driver, and yeah. then um, Dunn reverses um, the better end into a DDT, and then it's um, so Bate reverses the better end into a DDT, and then we get the better end from Pete Dunn. So we sort of get this sequence, um, as you say, with the near falls and whatever, um, to the end of reverse, reverse, reverse. Um, the guy at ringside dressed like Colonel Sanders enjoyed it. I thought, he, yeah, there's a guy, if it was the same guy, I thought, I noticed him in the main event, he looked like the man from Del Monte. <laughs> 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 there seems to be a lot of people there in sort of not, I'm assuming when someone's in fancy dress, they didn't look strange enough to be in fancy dress. It was strange enough to be what they actually might have actually gone to the show in. Not for any particular theme. Yeah. That's just maybe maybe the way they dress. I mean, but we're in Chicago, so I mean, if it was Florida, yeah, I could see someone dressed like uh, the man from Del Monte or Corona Sanders. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. there's oh, go on. a good uh, match. Was, yeah, no, yeah, it, it was a decent match. I, I just it always puts me off something when something is is sort of hailed as the best, hmm. and I, I think then you're like it's more open to comparison. And you're like, well, no, it's not. And and then you sort of, you know, it, if I didn't know Meltzer's view of this match, I would have seen it in isolation and enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. But the fact it was put up on the pedestal that it was just left me to say, well, no, it isn't, rather yeah. than, yeah, seeing the positives. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Well, Pete Dunn goes on to hold the title for a long time, doesn't he? And his dentist is very worried about that. But he's, he's just a strange... I mean, he's, he's a strange-looking man, Peter, isn't he? I mean, we're he in a world yeah. as well. I mean, I am. But, I mean, Rob, you're all right. But um, he's got that kind of... And the thing with the teeth and the, the hair. Yeah. And yeah, he is yeah. about five foot six, isn't he? As well. Not good. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the bill him as five foot six, so that means he's four foot three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really killed his credibility standing him next to Seamus and Ridge Holland. But he, I mean, you know, to be fair... Yeah, we spoke about or I spoke about somebody the other week. It's like, well, if you're going to bring them up to the to the to the main roster like they've done, I mean, what do you, do you make him a? It's difficult to make him a kind of credible. I mean, you could make him a credible character if you want to put the time and effort into it. It's a lot easier to make him into a or stick him in a faction with some other British people. I, th- I think the thing is, you've got to make him believable. So, like, he does that thing where he snaps the fingers. You yeah. Know, if you. Like um, WCW ran this storyline where Lex Luger was breaking people's arms every week, and yeah. you know, the, and their opponents for, the, for weeks afterwards would come out in pots because mm. they were selling that he'd actually done the damage. You need to do that kind of thing with Pete Dunne. You need to make him seem legitimate in what yeah. he does to to give him some threat. Otherwise, he just comes across as scrappy do. Hmm. And it's probably easier from their point of view to to make him scrappy do. Yeah. Well. <laughs> It's for the kids, you know, and WWE love to be 50 years out of date with the references, so it works. Mm. Well, like uh, Tony D'Angelo. I mean, everyone's talking about the mafia these days, aren't they? Have you, that guy that's with Tony D'Angelo, 
What's AJ his name? Galante. AJ <laughs> yeah. Galante. Have you yeah. have you have you read about him? No. So his 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 dad bought him an ice hockey team. Okay. Right. And um, when he was 17, made him the owner and a general manager. So this is like a Michael Knighton at Carlisle where he goes on and manages the team himself. Yeah. He turned the team into the dirtiest team in the league. <laughs> and uh, they got the, like, the most penalties in ice hockey. Or, uh, I don't know if it's that division or just in ice hockey in general yeah. um, over the two years that he was managing them. It, it spent like two million upgrading the stadium and stuff. And, I've, and they did reasonably well. They were getting in like the playoffs for promotion and stuff. But I don't think they actually got promoted into the next division. Yeah. Um, but then, according to Wikipedia, although maybe this is fact, um, his dad got... Um, I think it was like racketeering or something like that. Again, this is alleged or whatever, but yeah. So it all came to a, sw- a swift end. But yeah, it was um, yeah legitimate. Um, yeah, because he actually said um, on NXT Two Point, "Oh, look me up." And then, so I looked him up, and I was like, "Wow." I can't find him on Wikipedia. It's the Danbury Trash Trashes or something, oh, okay. something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, last week he got. Abducted by the uh, the Gado del uh, what are they called? Fantasma. Yeah. Fantasma, yeah. Well, yeah. It, because because um, Santos Escobar was, uh, is the son of the Mexican legend Fantasma. Okay. So yeah. he was, um, you know, El Hijo del Fantasma um, in AAA and King Cuerno in uh, Lucha Underground. Yeah, and now he's uh, a Mexican gangland person in the I, I like i mean they they look the business i mean they've got you know that i i would never have thought that you know they'd be repackaging um djz as some kind of mexican mafia sort of thing but you know you, you see the four of them together and they look the part yeah i suppose yeah yeah um so we get more uh backlash chat and we get a promo for aj versus kevin owens the new face of the uh, United States of America because he's had a shave. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you enjoying the current Kevin Owens uh, Ezekiel storyline? Uh, I pretty much enjoy everything Kevin Owens does. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. It is, he's brilliant. And the sort of, you know, the comedy that he brings to it, uh, you know, he could, he could put him in any angle. And he he's not too serious with himself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think Kevin Owens is brilliant. I love him. Mm. And the stuff with Ezekiel, so the last couple of weeks they've, showed, they've had like videos yeah. of him before Raw talking about when he met or like the first time he went to watch his brother wrestle. I, this week it was, oh, I remember going to meet Shawn Michaels with my older brother, uh, <laughs> Elias. Yeah. And he's talking about the experience of the meeting him for the first time. And this is before he got his, obviously, before he got his wrestling license and that kind of thing in there. Yeah. I think the, the the only thing that gets me about this storyline is they, they feel like they do too much at once. I, th- I think you could have done something out of the suspense of the is he, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, and I know Kevin Owens is pushing that, but just to come out his first night and say, I'm Elias's brother, you know, they should have tried to put a little bit of doubt in the audience's mind because then there's a bit of intrigue and a bit of a hook to keep going with the story. Yeah. Yeah. If they'd have brought him out just as a new wrestler, as yeah. if you yeah, not mention the fact that he's Elias's younger brother, but they don't yeah. they like to. They don't put a lot of uh, long term forwards. I mean, these storylines, it's kind of like give it a couple of weeks, it'll probably be all over. Yeah, but, and he's, he's he's got a good face for again. It's a bit like the old Noel Edmonds face when he shaves his beard off. 
It's good having that. <laughs> that he's got that kind of weird looking face without the beard. Oh, well, I mean, he's got those pink pants on, which is a callback to Mr. Blobby. <laughs> yeah. And the little tassels on his arms as well, like the old warrior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that was a match on Backlash. See, I think um, see, Owens Joel Edmonds was on Swap Shop. If you're going back to your Saturday morning TV things with Sarah Green on Fast Forward or whatever it was for going live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we get some metal music and hacktivist for the, uh, the, the theme for TakeOver. It's called Overthrown. You're a fan of Hacktivist? There was a period where, um, you know, I, I'd go and investigate these bands that were, the, you know, the official pay-per-view yeah. uh, bands or whatever. You know, there were some decent stuff that they, they had um, on, on various shows. Uh, I'd given up by this point. I've got no clue who <laughs> Hacktivist are. <laughs> no, 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 no. And then we got more Judas then being playing over the top of uh, Hidoe Itami getting ready and Bobby Ruth yeah. looking at his belt longingly. And smiling. Um, and then we get the the women's championship match. So Nikki Cross, Ruby Wright, and Asuka. So Nikki Cross. So she was in uh, TNA British Boot Camp 2. She was indeed, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, before she found a feet, it was just a little bit too early for her because not so long after that in ICW she she got this gimmick of the best in the galaxy and she, she sort of really found her feet she was a little bit unsure of herself when she was in season two of boot camp unfortunately do you, uh, you like to lo- yeah to go for the people in british boot camp too well I, your, I remember uh, get your kenny loggins well, one of the, <laughs> well, one, of the thing, one of the one of the things i well yeah cyanide i can hear kenny loggins it, yeah um but one of the things I loved on NXT um, Bootcamp Season 2, they had uh, the fabulous Bakewell brothers. There was um, Stakely Bakewell and Cherry Bakewell, and they got knocked out. And yeah. one of them said, you know, don't you know who I am? I once shared a taxi with Mick McManus for three miles. <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, well, it was an absolute travesty that... Um, Chris Travis, you know, and obviously had his health conditions or whatever. You just think that, you know, if he'd have been alive and well at this point, he would have, you know, blossomed into to something yeah. big time. Um, obviously, Noam Dar goes and takes place. Uh, Grado um, on, on a mass audience um, still boggles belief that WWE or AEW haven't signed Grado. Um, you know, bags of bags of charisma. Um, Shah Samuels was in there in the last six, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. he was on N- NXT UK. Um, trying to remember who else got through to the last. Set. I remember um, Kelly Ray was in there. Kelly Ray was in there. I remember Joel Redman was in there cutting a promo. I don't think he got through to the last six, but he was talking about you know being a lumberjack and cutting down things in the forest. And Al Snow was like, "Where the hell are you going with this promo?" <laughs> yeah. like, he got he got he got through to the like, he got through to the finals. Oh, did he? Oh, no, so yeah. the last six was uh, Dave Mastiff. Um, yes. Grado. I'm a Dave. Um, obviously, Mark Andrews, who won it. No, oh, and, uh, Mark Andrews, this bloody skateboard. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why on earth he won mate. that. I mean... Fuck's sake. Uh, Rampage Brown was in the... He got through to the final three. Kaylee Ray got through to the final three. Um... Nikki Storm was in the finals. Viper was in the, where well, she got stage two. Yeah. Um, we're not going to talk about El Ligero. That was the. Uh, I can hear Kenny Loggins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, Martin Stone, who was he was. Um, yeah, he was in that tag team with Arnie yeah, Larkin, Larkin, wasn't he? Where they, they, they did the Alan Shearer um, goal celebration at Winter yeah. Ring, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. And Sexy Kev. Do you know Sexy Kev? Yeah, well, I, went, I saw him in Markham, and he'd um, very Eric Young-esque. I had a knock on the head or whatever, and he was train spotter Kev. Okay. <laughs> I'm intrigued by Richard Parliament. I can't remember Richard Parliament. I mean, there's a few people going around with the, um, there's yeah. a Thatcher Wright or whatever that's going around with yeah, the I love Margaret guy, Thatcher yeah. gimmick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who else have we got in there? Um, Nordic Warrior? I don't, I don't remember <laughs> no. Nordic Warrior. No, no. He, he got limited in the first round, so. Mm. I, re- I remember Gail Kim and Al Snow were uh, on the judging panel. And um, AJ Singh said that he was going to be the Asian sensation and Gail Kim was like, we've already got an Asian sensation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so, so, yeah, so Nicky Cross, yes, he was in TNA boot camp too. Signed WWE in 2016. And then she, I actually went back and watched the episode where she made her debut. So she made her debut and she was called Nikki Glencross. Glencross, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, was, it was her and Carmella and Liv Morgan versus Mandy Rose, Alexa Bliss and Daria Benetto. Who was oh, actually um, that's, Sonya yeah, Deville? Yeah, she's Sonya Deville. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of people in there actually, and they're all being put. They're all being like, oh, these are all like newbies, pretty much. Yeah. And they're all I, main roster people. I felt sorry for Sonya Deville because she had that MMA gimmick, and then they go and sign uh, Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. Yeah. And, yeah. and it sort of stole the thunder, didn't it? Yeah. So that that match actually the debut for Mandy, uh, Nikki, and uh, Sonya Deville. So. Yeah. Um, and she, I think she only wrestled a couple of times. Then she re-emerged when Sanity turned up late in 2016. Uh, Ruby, I've been around for years, actually, on the American Indies and stuff. And yeah. Now, for everything I said about these wrestlers that can reinvent themselves, yeah. Ruby Riot slash Soho slash Heidi Lovelace. Yeah. She's like a stick of Blackpool Rock, isn't she? <laughs> She's exactly <laughs> the same all the way through. Well. I, no, I, I, she's, she's, ne- she's never reinvented herself. You look at her on the Indies, you look at her Heidi Lovelace, yeah. exactly the same. You look at her as Ruby Riot, exactly the same. Look at her as Ruby Soho, exactly the same. I want to like her, but... But you don't. <laughs> she's not very good, I don't think. I mean, again, she's got the kind of look I, I like, and I think she's got that kind of... But again, I don't like them. I don't, when she's gone to AEW, I don't like, I don't like fucking... I'm not a big fan of um, oh, what are they called? Who do who do a few music? Um, Rancid, isn't it? Yeah, I don't like Rancid. Yeah. So that puts me on a on a negative straight away. And she she sings the theme song on Way to Ring as well. Yeah, that's a bad thing, no. isn't it? Can you remember Harley Ray singing his theme song on Way to Ring? <laughs> <laughs> that is a negative. People who sing their own theme song, isn't it? unless they are do literally sing their own theme song. Well, I mean, Shawn Michaels sang his own theme song, but he didn't yeah, sing yeah. it on his way to the yeah. ring. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to like her, but like, it's when she was, obviously there, there was that time when she got moved to the main roster and I kind of like, she has a few good matches with, I wish she had a good match with Sasha Banks and Asuka, and you kind of think she, you know, they should do more with her. And then obviously when she goes to AEW, and you think, oh, good. And then you actually watch her wrestle and you think, it's not like it's not that good, but like, no. but, that, but you, I find a lot with like with 
with I, I, you probably see more of Tony Storm matches than I have, like in the flesh. Yeah. But she's gone to AEW. You're going to think, well, I mean, yes, Tony Storm, and she's got a, a bit of a name, but actually, in ring, it's not quite kind of clicked. But I suppose it's, it's always yeah. to do with who you're, who you're wrestling. It, it makes a lot of difference, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, you know? it completely does. I mean, that's the thing, you know, when styles make matches and all this sort of mm. stuff, and it should be booked against the right people, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. t- Tony Storm does have charisma. She, she definitely does. Whether she's got enough, you know, whether she's Rip Baker charisma, that kind of thing, you know, I, I think that's to be seen. Um, but Ruby Soho, she, she's like the Sean Spears of the women's division. <laughs> well, it, again, she came in and she was in that. But when she, she was a joker and then she's like, well, straight away, she's into a feud with Britt Baker and she loses that. And then it's like, well, then what do you what do you do then? Like the, she's the trouble. Yeah, the, the trouble is they've got some really, really strong um, women. You know, I mean, you look at Jade Cargill and you really want to Goldberg Jade Cargill at the moment with how, how she's going. Uh, you know, Britt Baker's massively over. You know, she just seems a bit surplus to requirements. You know, I mean, you know, you'd like to, you know, you know, get Nala Rose back in the title scene. Um, she does always good value for money. Serena Deeb's done excellent work. You know, where, where are we putting Ruby Soho at this point? And the, there's all these women that are, are sort of trying to get opportunities, like the Willow Nightingales, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, that are on Dark, who who is excellent and where does Ruby fit? And I, I just don't see a place for her with with all these talented women around her. Well, yeah, and they did match every day with um, was it Mercedes Martinez and Diana Prazzo as well. And it's like again, there's a lot of a lot of good wrestlers, and you've got to find something to to differentiate do yourself. Yeah, yeah, and to keep them relevant and keep them interesting. Yeah. Again, they can't all be in title feuds because if you've got one, well, you've got two titles. Jade's not losing that title anytime soon. So it's difficult. Again, that's the issue with having the number of people they've got, and then they've got obviously limited time and space and and titles. But um, so yeah, so she, she yeah she came in two thousand and fifteen. Uh, oh no no, hang on, that was uh, Ruby Riot. So Ruby Riot, she came in like end of sixteen, and then got transported into that Eric Young, Sanity, Ty Dillinger, that kind of feud. And then kind of went into a, a bit of a feud with Nikki, um, and then you got Asuka. Obviously, did you? Did you? Uh, uh, as with most of these wrestlers, I wasn't aware of any of these people before they signed for NXT. So, did you watch any of Asuka's stuff before she? Were you aware of her before she signed? Um, I, I was aware of her. I'd maybe seen little bits of her here and there. You know, I'd not sort of followed her career uh, massively. Um, I think I think she was in Stardom. I, I did have Stardom. Um, for a while, this would have been after Asuka came to NXT. But the way that the Stardom app works, it's like each match is on its own, so it's very hard to watch. Um, you know, things like whole shows together, and you know, it's sort of like you take a salad bar approach to it. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was quite hard. You know, it, it was great to go. All right, I've heard of this great match. I'm going to go and watch. You know, Hannah Kamara, um, you know, there was a match that Dr. Wagner was in. It's very rare that they have men in um, um, stardom, and I'm a big Dr. Wagner fan. So, you know, go watch that kind of thing. Um, 
our, our away door ties, you know, got this rivalry going. I'm going to go and watch that. But it's, it, it was really difficult to sort of engage with it on a week to week basis. Um, so I sort of fell away from it. But um, yeah, I, I wasn't sort of involved with it when Asuka was there. No, for obviously from that, when she signed in WWE, she, signed, she went into NXT and then into a feud with uh, Dana Brooke and Emma. That was the first uh, feud. Wow. I liked Emma. Yeah, I liked Emma when she was being yeah. uh, zany. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if Tennille Dashwood's lived up to the hype sort of thing thereafter, but yeah, she, she was a fun character in NXT. I mean, she had the, the vignettes for like weeks on Raw. Emmalina. Uh, Emmalina. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that was so she had a match with um, uh, Dana Brooke. Which sounds insane now. That was her first takeover yeah. match was Asuka versus Dana Brooke. Uh, and now Dana yeah. Brooke's trying to get divorced from Reggie. Yeah, I know. Yeah, poor old Reggie. And did you remember the match? Yet? I think it was NXT London, the takeover in London, and it was Emma and Asuka. It was a, a good match, quality match. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, she's definitely got something there. It's just there's just something that's not clicking for her. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, April 2016, and Asuka beat Bailey for the title to take over Dallas. Uh, by the time we get to this point, she's obviously been dominating for a while, and she's started to show more kind of heel tendencies. So she, uh, I think the takeover before this, she beat Ember Moon for the title. And then they decided to have a battle royal on NXT leading up to this to decide who was going to be the number one contender to face Asuka. And there's some top names in this battle royal. So, uh, Lacey Evans. I like Lacey Evans. Um, I think these yeah. recent promos that she's been doing have gone on too long. Mm. Um, it, it did have a little bit of this kind of, um, you know, that lifting the lid or, or lifting the stone on a, a personal life felt a little bit like when they did the Mick Foley, uh, Jim Ross interviews and he's going for the dude love thing. But mm. the, they just drove it into the ground and kept going and kept doing the same thing and kept repeating it. And uh, unless she's going to fight her deadbeat father, I'm I'm not sure where we go from here. Well, today, as we record this, they says she's going to come back as a heel, apparently. So, oh, I've not seen Raw yet. No, so. oh, no she, hasn't, she hasn't actually come back yet, but that's a report. Yeah. So she's going to be a heel. Right, right. So, yeah. Wowzers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. They're in this in this battle royal as well. I like them. I like the pair of them. Yeah, um, they're Pitt, funny. Yeah. Pitt, Pitt and Royce, well, I, I don't know if she acquired all her husband's charisma when she married him or she was just <laughs> far more charismatic to yeah. begin with. But, yeah, she, she puts spears in the shadow, doesn't she? I mean, well done. I mean, you know, I think he's probably punching up of his waist. Pun- punching? He's been taking <laughs> lessons from Tank Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, Nikki Cross was in this battle royal. Obviously, Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, Ember Moon, and I think Aaliyah was in it as well. She was still, which is mad because she's only just yeah, now. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, it's funny it, though because at, the, at this time I thought, um, you know, Aaliyah had something and they, they kept sort of pushing her off TV and it's very stop start with her. Yeah. She never had a serious run in, in NXT really, did she? With any kind no, of threat. I mean, no, um, as I say, she, she was spent lots of time off TV and then she'd come back and then she'd go away. And then, um, you know, came up to the main roster and she was involved in that Natalia 
Um, once you had the Guinness Book of Records gimmick. So Roy Castle would have been perfect. Or he would have been, Sakabusi, yeah. If we could have got, got them yeah. in there, you know. But no. I'd rather see Chris Akabuki Akabusi wrestled in Italia, if I'm, if I'm brutally honest. But um, so then the final three in this battle rule where Ember Moon, Ruby Riot, and Nicky Cross, Arsenal comes down and beats them all up, basically. And then after the match, Regal says you're going to have to face all three of them in a fatal four way match. But sadly, Ember Moon got injured after Asuka threw out of the ring. So it ends up being a, a triple threat, which is where we are. I'm trying to work out if this was a legitimate injury because she was away for about a month, but I think she was yeah. back like the week after this show. Um, yeah. And I mean, a severe shoulder strain, apparently. So, so. I mean, well, she, she could have been out. It could have been storyline. Um, mm. It did, when you know, when she sort of flew out and hit the guardrail, it did look like um, La Parker, as in the AAA La Parker, so the second La Parker, not the yeah. guy with we were speaking about earlier was the chairman of WCW, the, the other one. It, he did a tope like that and you know, was in hospital for a long time and ended up dying uh, as a result of it. Um, you know, so well, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that could be legitimate. But, you know, only out for a month didn't didn't feel very, very long for that type of injury. Yeah. So we get, uh, obviously, Ruby Ruby's intro. Yeah. Nicky Cross with the sanity intro, which is good, quite scary again. Yeah. And obviously, Asuka is a megastar, isn't she? <laughs> oh, God, dr- dripping with charisma. Uh, N- Nigel McGuinness um, compares Asuka to uh, Miami Toyota, and okay. I, I, I don't see that in wrestling style, you know. Um, yeah, sort of mention, you know, I always get sort of rock and roll express vibes from a sort of the, you know, um, uh, the reaching out to the crowd in pain sort of thing from Miami Toyota. It's not the same as, as Asuka, but certainly the level of stardom and, you know, love the sort of callback that Nigel McGuinness is yeah. sort of giving there to a, a, you know, a star of yesteryear sort of thing. Mm. I mean, so, I mean, it's a, it's a triple threat match. You get huge triple threat stuff where someone's, you know, taking a break for a little bit and then they come back in and, and they interrupt the pin and that sort of thing. And, but obviously she's been booked pretty. I mean, to say she's been booked strong would be an understatement at this point because she'd gone through everybody, hasn't she? Nobody's ready for Asuka, but well, obviously, I, I mean, yeah, yeah it's a, a Goldberg-esque run, wasn't it? Yeah, and you've got her here against probably people who aren't really particularly. But I suppose at this point there wasn't anybody left in NXT that again we ran through the people that were in that battle royal. A lot of those people that were just starting out. Yeah. So there wasn't anybody around really at this point to to be a credible contender for it. No, and you know people like Mandy Rose and uh, Sonny Deville, etc. They'd all come from like tough enough. Yeah. But so I, I guess you know I don't know if they lose a degree of credibility. I, I think if you'd book Sonny Deville as the MMA killer, then maybe that would have worked. But yeah. So at the time they're probably the two best, you know, experienced, good hands to put her in the ring with. I suppose. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you get a few good spots. I mean, Nikki Cross is probably, I think, is probably the star from this match, I'd say. She looks amazing. Yeah, she, she always looks good. Um, th- there's a bit where sort of Asuka runs towards her and she sort of pulls down the rope. So Asuka uh, sort of flies out of the ring. And then you yeah. get an evil laugh from Nikki Cross on the camera close-up. It was brilliant. Yeah. And she gets Asuka trapped in the uh, ring apron, then she as well. So I was punching her. Yeah, the fit Finley spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I didn't like the finish particularly this match. It was a bit kind of so Ruby's pinning Nikki and she and the kind of Asuka comes in and knees Ruby in the face and then pins the pair of them. Yeah, I mean, we've already talked about how she's dominating the entire women's division and then she literally pins both her opponents. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you've not, you've not left much wiggle room there, have you? Not really, no, no, no. I think she went on and feuded with, or she had a match with um, Ember Moon not long after this. Right. But then by, obviously by the end of the year, well, not long after this, I think she'd, when did she win the Rumble? It was the year after this, wasn't it? She ran the Rumble yeah, the year in after, yeah. 18, yeah. But has she, had she made her debut on the main roster when she won? She must have, when she won the Rumble. She must have already, or did she do that while she was still NXT champion? That's, no, I think she made her debut before that, I think. Yeah, but she didn't lose a title, did she? I think she gave it up. No, did she give it up? I I, I know Paige gave her title up when she went to the main roster, didn't she? So, yeah, yeah, so she, um, she went on, she, yeah, she wrestled Ember Moon and Next Takeover, and then, yeah, ended up moving to Raw in sort of November of this year, so... And then won the Rumble the year after. Because, yeah, that was a year that Nakamura and Asuka won both, didn't they? They won the they Rumble did, yeah. at the same time, yeah. And then both lost yeah. the main event to WrestleMania. <clears throat> um, get get your a bit of Rocket League next. And after Rocket League, get the... Kenny Loggins. <laughs> get Kenny Loggins. Get major Kenny Loggins vibes. Because we get a Velveteen no, Dream. Well, that, that's, unf- that's unfair to Kenny Loggins. We're here in Danger Zone. Yeah. Kenny Loggins is beyond reproach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so obviously dream. Probably. Yeah, uh, and I mean, this hasn't aged well because there were certain words that they were hype, that were quoting in his promo. So yeah. rise to the Velveteen experience, mm. release mind, body and soul, mm. bask in the experience, let your curiosity explode. Mm-hmm. You know, you will feel the Velveteen dream. And it's like, there are some words you really didn't want to highlight there. No. And he's coming uh, next Wednesday, which is, again, not... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Nigel says he's uh, definitely rather ambiguous. Yeah. So. I mean, Jesus Christ, if he was wearing a Jim will fix it badge, they couldn't have made it more obvious. I mean, it is... If, if you... If you, obviously, if you take away... Again, we're in that kind of... Uh, dangerous Chris Benoit sort of territory or I mean if, uh, if I, I can hear Kenny Loggins <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you if you took away that thing it was an interesting it's a bit like having the the Goldust character when he started off but then it actually turned out he was like a fucking terrible sexual deviant um, seven in WCW yeah yeah seven in WCW Solo- yeah yeah Sullivan <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was. I mean, I, 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 until you know, we all know what how things progressed. But up until that point, I did, I did quite enjoy the the character. He felt like he was going to be a big star. Mm. I mean, he he had bags of charisma, but unfortunately, abusers probably do. You know, because they are yeah. able to entrap people, and you know, you know attract people towards them and you know it's this whole thing about you know um psychopaths tend to do really well in job interviews 
you know, yeah. it, it's like the worst people can can rise up to these situations because they don't sort of see the flaws and they don't have the inhibitions and whatever. And you know, is an example of it. A, a horrible person who managed to get himself into you know a, a big position and and it's lucky he didn't get much further because the the wider his reach was, the the worse it could have got. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But to still see this again, they don't. When, when me and uh, Uncle Dan were talking about backlash, whenever it was, two thousand and five or whatever, and they they kept in all the Chris Benoit day stuff and the the end where they had Chris Benoit embracing his family. You think they they didn't cut that out? You think they cut some of this stuff out, wouldn't they? Like, um, yeah. I guess the thing with Chris Benoit is Chris Benoit did a horrible, horrible thing at the end of his life. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was, you know, committing crimes or whatever throughout. No, it, it no, was, no. You know, at, uh, as far as I'm aware, it was a terrible day at the end of his life. Yeah. Um, after, you know, being, um, you know, quote unquote normal person up to, up to that point. Whereas, you know, you, you look at some other people um and they they were doing horrendous acts while they were being put on a pedestal as a, a hero or a superstar. Mm. You know, I mentioned Jimmy Savile earlier, but it's a, a prime example. Someone who went through the entirety of their life, died as a hero, given basically the equivalent of a state funeral, when for decades and decades they'd been an absolute monster. Yeah. I just thought some things which have been cut out of the network, and then obviously certain stuff still left in. You think, well, yeah, but yeah, it's still there. That promo, but yeah. Um, so we get the the kind of well, the world title match now, well, the NXT title match. So we get Hideo Itami. Did you what? Did you again? Were you aware of Kenta before he before he signed for WWE? Yeah. Yeah, I was aware of Kendra, you know, I mean, obviously, um, the big people who were kind of more aware and watching matches. But, you know, I knew, I knew it was a big deal that they were signing him. Uh, you know, I knew he was um, a, a very good wrestler. You know, knew he was the innovator of the GTS um, for uh, CM Punk, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, you know, he felt like a massive signing for NXT at the time. And I think to... Kenta's credit, he sort of used NXT to rehab all his injuries, okay. and that you know, and then he, you know, he, he'd had this great career. I think he was in Noah before, and then he, he went back to uh, Japan and went to um, New Japan, and he, he was like, you know, hard hitting and all this stuff before. Uh, he, he felt like he was made out of China when he was in NXT, and then he's gone back to Japan and been hard hitting and doing his old style because he, he's had. Uh, a lovely couple of years to uh, rehab his injuries. And, you know, it, it feels like a couple of signings that Town have made over the years where they've <laughs> used Huddersfield Town physio and not really performed on the pitch. Yeah. Well, so he made his debut at the takeover Fatal 4-Way um, and then was involved. Well, I think that's where they announced signing. Uh, and then got in, involved with the Ascension briefly, which then led to his mate, Finn Balor making his debut to kind of help him out in that feud and team up with him, and they beat so Finn Balor and the other way. It was awesome though that that moment when they made the debut and they both did of hesitation drop kicks in unison. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it it was incredible. 
um, you know, and, and the way the sort of the screen sort of faded in, you know, for for um, his debut, it, it was brilliant. You know, felt like big stars working together. Yeah, they were a team for a while, weren't they? And they um, they uh, they kind of had a bit of a they wrestled it uh, together a revolution, and then he wrestled Tyler Breeze. He was like one of the, he was the guy that kind of everyone who came in. And a few with Tyler Breeze, didn't they? Tyler Breeze was the guy who was used to sort of put over the new guy, or yeah, he was. I like Tyler Breeze. Um, oh yeah, I, I, I like the gimmick. You know, he worked really well. Um, that match he had with Juice and Liger, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, you, you could sort of put him in any, any scenario. He, he was a real utility player. Yeah. So he had um, he made his main roster debut at WrestleMania 31. He was in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal with Otami. Otami. Uh, and then he got injured in the infamous NXT car park where everybody gets injured. And gets did we ever find... Her. I think Kevin Owens might have taken credit, but did we ever definitively find out who... I don't think so, him? no. 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 No, so it could have been Tank Abbott. Could have been. It could have been the ninjas that used to follow uh, Samoa Joe around as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And he was due to come back in the Cruiserweight Classic to be in a team with Kota Ibushi. But that never yeah. happened because he got injured. And do you know who injured him? Mad Cat Moss. Uh, Mad Cat Moss. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What was yeah, it? Riddick? Um, I was going to say Riddick Bull, but that's a boxer. Riddick Moss. Uh, Riddick and then Moss. he was out yeah. until April of this year when he returned and then challenged Bobby Roode. Yeah. He was a champ after uh, he signed the year before. Um and he, uh, I think he must, I think he wrestled Ty Dillinger. But he become um, number one contender soon after and then beat Nakamura in January this year for the title and then retained it at WrestleMania weekend and then went on to this match with uh, Hideo Itami. Yeah. Oh, no, I thought both of these guys were great. I loved the glorious Bobby Roode gimmick oh, in yeah. NXT. I loved Bobby Roode in TNA. Loved beer money. Um, I, I did feel a bit sorry for James Storm though, because he, he'd come to NXT and he had a couple of matches and he had a banging theme tune. And yeah. then you know TNA had offered a lot of money to reform beer money because they were the biggest merch sellers. Um, you know, I bought me a beer money merch, so I'm part of the problem. Um, yeah. uh, so he came back and signed a longer deal than Bobby Roode had. So as soon as Bobby Roode's deal ended, he went to NXT and <laughs> James Storm was just left there. <laughs> Um, so you know what what would have been if James Storm had stayed in NXT, but yeah, he was in there, but he had a couple of matches, didn't he? And then obviously he got that deal from, from TNA and was, but yeah. um, yeah, I mean the Bobby Roode intro is oh, glorious. It, it literally is glorious, but that was kind of because what was it? I think it was after WrestleMania, probably the following year, when he they kind of brought him up to the main roster, but he brought him up as a face. Yeah, and that kind of immediately <laughs> he's he's dead straight away. Yeah, um, so, unless unless he's driving the boozer cruiser, is not a face. No, no. And again, it's one of those guys. He's got he's going to get a certain amount of cheers in the crowd just for the intro. You don't need to actually make yeah. him a legitimate face. So yeah, uh, and I did, thought did you hear what Tom? Me, Phil- yeah, go on. I was going to say, did you hear what Tom Phillips said at the start of this match? No. He said that Bobby Roode believes he's a dynasty like the Chicago Bears. 
heading yeah. off against Hideo Itami, who was the lovable losers of the Chicago Cubs. So Tom Phillips is suggesting that we're having an American football team playing American football against a baseball team. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it's like, you know, Chelsea would beat Lancashire County Cricket Club at football, but they'd, yeah. they'd fucking get whipped at cricket. Yeah. Well, I thought Hideo Itami looks probably 10 years older in this match than he does now. In real life, he looks really old. <laughs> he was like, cashing you know, the checks and rehabbing the injuries. Yeah, That's what he was yeah. doing. Yeah. <laughs> he was on the scam. He's <laughs> it, it, like Alicia Fox. He, he was bleeding the beast is what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this is this, this is a, a good match. They, you get the, I think uh, we always get a GCS straight away. Bobby Roos doing his like, glorious thing and yeah. Kenta catches him and um, but yeah, this is a, I said earlier about Bobby Roode being hasn't really changed in, but he has the whole gimmick thing has changed and that kind of thing. But wrestling wise, I don't think he's he's not really changed that much in that match with Jeff Jarrett we talked about last week. But but again, he's kind well, of reinvented himself. To be fair, though, I think you know then it, it's a lot about the gimmick to get people in, to get people watching, to get people interested rather than. Sort of the in-ring stuff. But there were some decent in-ring stuff. I, I love it when people just walk away. There's a bit where Bobby Roode goes for a blockbuster in a day or any time he just walks away and Bobby Roode just falls on his back. Yeah, yeah. We get a few CM Punk chants as well. Right. Um, oh, well, he hits the GTS, we do. And, you know, it's yeah. kind of disrespectful because it, he's the one that came, came up with it. Um, I do like that when he hit the GTS, Roode fell out of the ring and yeah. then protected the finisher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. good, and yeah, we get. Uh, well, obviously, we end up with with the finish with two big glorious DDTs. Well, because there'd been a glorious um, DDT earlier in the match, which you got a two count. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of them using finishes over and over again, and I know they've done it in time in Memorial, but to me, it's quite lazy. Surely you should be doing other moves and yeah. save your finisher till the actual finish. Yeah, yeah, like if you just do the finisher like three times just to make sure, yeah, it's a bit crap, isn't it? You you want to do, yeah, yeah, yeah. you do some other stuff and then you go back and do the finisher. Yeah. But yeah, that seems to be a thing now, like Brock Lesnar doing like three out of fives on someone to make sure he gets a win. Yeah. Well, well yeah. It, just deva- it just devalues it. it. It takes away the mistake, you know, and if you put, if you protect the moves, they mean, they, they mean more, and it's not like there aren't a million other moves that you could do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems a shame because obviously I think after this, a few weeks down the line, we end up with uh, like a Hideo Itami heel turn, which doesn't really, I think he got injured long after that, so it doesn't really go anywhere. And then that's a surprise in the next day. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, yeah. But he was, yeah, I mean, we probably, because he had his brief run in, didn't he? He came in to a couple of matches in AEW uh, through the Forbidden Door. But his run in NXT will probably be a kind of, hopefully it'll be like a footnote in a in a career which goes on and does greater things. Well, as I say, if he'd stayed, you know, in Japan or, you know, if he'd been anywhere for, for the entire length of his career, he'd have this patchy patch of the injuries. Yeah. But he timed it right to get big money for going to NXT and, you know getting injured there and being in their system and having WWE's physios helping him. 
Um, you know, they used to say about Terry Funk would um, work films, so he kept his Screen Actors Guild card so that he'd have medical insurance to rehab his injuries. And it feels that Hideo Itami is Terry Funk to this situation. Yeah, yeah. So we get uh, more backlash chat. We get a promo for the world title match, which is Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal. Got Jinder. Jinder wins the title. Yeah, yeah, and go, goes on his shock title run. Yeah. I, I don't mind Jinder's title run. I, I really don't. Um, I know people were upset about it at the time. I thought it was a decent heel, um, cheating to win. I, I, I was quite happy with it. Yeah, I think the issue is is the the kind of the the out of nowhereness of it, and then you know after that against Randy Orton. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So what did he do? So he he. Beat Orton, didn't he? And then he, I think he should do with Nakamura, and it was him and Nakamura at SummerSlam. And that was like, again, Nakamura has come in and he's got a match against Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam and he loses that. And I think the issue is that if you're going to promote someone like Jinder Mahal to be the world champion, then yeah, that's fine. And he can have his run for six to eight months, but then he goes back to being a nominal kind of mid carder jobber afterwards. It's not making. New stars, is it? It's not. It doesn't. It'd be worse now. Yeah, I mean, they don't like making new stars, really, do they? I mean, Roman, <laughs> Roman Reigns has been a uh, yeah uh, an exception to the rule in re- recent years, but yeah, it just seems to be you know we'll slap him back in the mid card. You know, Dolph Ziggler, multiple time world champion, but yeah. you know where's his his value? And this goes goes back to accountancy principles that we were talking about earlier with goodwill and you know building value in the brand and. They don't want to have Jinder Mahal turn up in AEW and, and have value. And, mm. and that's why they, they slap them back down. But it's a shame because that, that stops you getting the Goldbergs or the Stone Cold Steve Austins or the Rocks that you had previously. Yeah, obviously it happened with, you know, yeah, Kofi had his run, Biggie had his run. Um, and these guys, yeah, go from being champion. But the, but the issue is they go from, my issue is they go from nowhere being champion and then back to back to nowhere so you're getting that you might get you know six seven months of somebody being hot and you take advantage of it and then they're back to being in the well is that spot in presentation you know i mean um parsmouth won the fa cup wigan won the fa cup yeah uh... <laughs> greece think... won the euros leicester yeah. won the premier league you know uh, happens in sport you know once you've won the the big one you don't always stay big forever no no but what what annoys me is the those individuals then the acceptance of oh yeah i'm just back in the yeah you think they want to be like actually i, I want to be back in the kind of the the heights and the being in title matches rather than just be oh yeah i'm happy to just go back to doing what i was doing before i was well, champion. I mean, i'm not really bothered Steve-O will love this, but it's crusty the clown, isn't it? You know, it's uh, what they said to me really moved me to a bigger house. (laughs) (laughs) So, wait, we're at the main event. Actually, well, no, we get get seen to Kevin Owens in the crowd with Cassie Zono and um, Sami Zayn's there. And I put PP. Who's PP? Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson. That'd be Pat Patterson, yeah. Um... Who had his arm on for around Sami Zayn for an uncomfortably long time? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. And if you want to get onto Facebook Live, you can track Triple H as well if you want to. I mean, yeah. 
Up to you. And then we're at the main event. So we get a video then detailing DIY's past few months and their sort of trials and tribulations. Um, so obviously the pair of them are big. Well, I say big, but they were only in this for years, weren't they? Before they signed with NXT. Yeah, um, Tommaso Ciampa uh, appeared in Impact just before he signed with um, NXT. Okay. And, you know, it, it, again, it's maybe one of those what ifs if they could have, um, you know, made a deal with him or whatever. But, yeah, did, didn't sign, went on to NXT. He's still there now. You know, he's a big star in NXT. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, Muhammad Hassan's lawyer, wasn't he, in, uh, in SmackDown? <laughs> it's when he was, so, yeah, Thomas Penn's it, shit. <laughs> it's all these uh, wrestlers that we don't know have the qualifications they do, like when uh, Stevie Richards turned out to be uh, a business psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they both signed in uh, 2015, and they were in the first Dusty Classic as a team, and they beat the hot team of Bull Dempsey and Tyler Breeze in the first round of Dusty Classic. Uh, Bull Dempsey, what happened to Bull Dempsey? The last of a dying breed, uh, Bull Dempsey. Um I, I remember lost. his bull fit. Yeah, yeah. But they lost to Baron Corbin and Rhino in the next round. Wow. Which is not an odd team. Um, that young up-and-comer Rhino in NXT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they both turned up again for the Cruiserweight Classic the year after, where they, they wrestled in the first round and Gargano won. And uh, later on that year, they signed sort of full-time and became a team. Uh, and they got into feud with Revival, and he had some quality matches in 16 with the Revival. A couple of takeovers, but they lost the first one. Then two out of three falls in November, they won that match. Um, yeah, they, they were some, they were some properly good, old-fashioned tag team matches. Yeah, no, they're, they're really good. I mean, yeah, the, the Revival um, um, DIY sort of rivalry uh, was great at the time. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I love the sort of 80s throwback. Ness of the revival. I mean, they're really sailing into the wind with it in um, AEW with the sort of 80s theme tune oh, and the jackets and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Authors of Pain turned up late 2016. They won the second Dusty Classic, managed by Paul Ellering, uh, and they beat um, DIY for the titles at San Antonio Takeover and then defended them in a the triple threat match at the next takeover after that. Uh, the revival got called up after WrestleMania, which left then the path clear for this match, which Regal set up for to be a ladder match. I can't believe that Ellering isn't in a shark cage where he belongs. <laughs> that did happen, didn't it? Later yeah, on. oh no, he's definitely, he's definitely, yeah, he's definitely been in a shark cage, and <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he was yeah. there, there with Rocco the dummy as well. Yeah, no, I mean, Ellering's brilliant. We've covered some um, sort of mid-90s Raws that he, he was on with Legion of Doom and he was mm. cutting great promo. Uh, oh, he's with, no, he was with um, oh, um, Skull and Eight, but yeah, 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 he was. I think if I'm going to go for my Paul Ellering tag teams, I'll go for Office of Pain first, then the DOA, then the uh, Legion of Doom. <laughs> Legion of Doom last, yeah, yeah. Cla- <laughs> classic and classic. I think you've been on too much Europe-ish there, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I never really got, again, I've, I've said this on most of these fucking podcasts, but I didn't, I always had a grudge against Legion of Doom because they came in and squashed Demolition. Because obviously they were my, I wasn't even aware of Legion of Doom when I was a fan of Demolition. So I was like, yeah, they're ripping off fucking Demolition. Well, obviously it turns what out. About, just, uh, Legion? Turns out it was the other way, yeah. 
What about Legion of Doom 2000 with Sonny as the manager? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a different story. But but this was, um, again... They oh, were, but to be fair, we can probably hear Kenny Loggins in the background for Sonny as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this was, uh, they were considering, again, you've got a lot of people in NXT at this point who were, obviously, Gargano and Champa are veterans for fucking many years on the indie scene. And then you've yeah. got these two guys, still for pain, who are like relative well pretty much novices who are being you know set up and pushed as being these monsters did you see the authors of poop sign in the crowd yeah i did see the authors of poop sign yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah i mean i suppose that was kind of what the point of nxt was at various points probably not at this point but they were the kind of future out of these two tag teams it's hard to actually pinpoint what the point of NXT was. Initially, it was sold to us as a developmental territory. Yeah. And it sort of got built up as this super indie where they'd bring in, you know, all the hottest free agents, um, you know, like, you know, the Gaganos and the Champers. Yeah. And to be fair, it was it was good. To, I mean, that was the it was good to watch, wasn't it? It would have all these people you'd. You heard about on from from my point of view, you heard about on the Indians. You never actually got to watch, and now they're, you know, they're turning up in NXT, um, which kind of I suppose got away from what the original point of NXT was. But it was more enjoyable to watch, and people enjoyed this this version of NXT more than the others, I suppose. Well, I, I don't know. I think there's a certain um, part of the demo that's in, 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 <laughs> enjoying NXT 2.0, isn't there? Which, which unfortunately, our age range is stamping towards. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but like we said on various um, episodes of this show, in the long run, what is more beneficial to WWE? Is it this version which we watch now on this show, or is it what is being produced at the minute? It's probably what we're seeing at the minute. In the long run, that's going to be more beneficial to WWE yeah. because, again, this gets over um, Bobby Roode, gets over, uh, you know, I suppose potentially fucking Roderick Strong. Are, are in the in the future of WWE, are Roderick Strong and Bobby Roode going to be making much money for WWE? Well, not really, no. I don't. No, uh, and that's it. It's kind of the difference between developmental. Um, I was listening to an interview with Adam Cole earlier today, and I, I was sort of thinking about this. You know, it obviously was a big deal in NXT, but had he stayed with WWE, kind of where do you go from that? He goes from being at the top of the card in NXT to, you know, potentially being like a mid-carder or something on SmackDown or Raw. You know, and it's that transition of you've put a lot of effort into this guy who was kind of maybe at that sort of level when you brought him in. Um, so have you added any value to him? And, you know, where do you go from there? So uh, as a touring brand, as super indie, it really works. As a developmental brand, I'm, I'm not sure no. how well it did work. No. And that's the thing. If you look at the people that actually were on there, that went on to be big stars, I suppose you can, you can look at, I suppose you've got people that come through the early days of the system that were people like, uh, I suppose Reigns, you could class Reigns as being homegrown, I suppose, can't you? Yeah, well, I mean, there were people like, well, maybe not, you know, they'd worked on the Indies, but like, you know, Becky Lynch, Bray Wyatt, um, Bailey, Sasha Banks all all came through there. Yeah. Yeah, so so there's a strong core of people who've worked sort of main event scenes, um, 
you know, I, I, again, people like Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, you know, they, they've done quite a bit on the indies, yeah. especially Seth Rollins in Ring of Honor, that kind of thing. So it's a bit difficult, you know, how, how much of has NXT added to their value sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, there, there are definitely a few, and and people like Alexa Bliss, you know, absolute money. Yeah, yeah. But then, like I say, people from this time period that were on these shows, have any of them actually gone on to... Because I think in, the, in and around this time was when Drew McIntyre just got back to NXT as well. Um, yeah, that feels like a, a weird one. How much value are you adding with Drew McIntyre, who's already been Intercontinental Champion and off and yeah. away? But I suppose, I mean, it helped kind of re, rebuild him for him to go back to the main roster because he was... He was what he was NXT champion before he came back up, I think, couldn't he? So yeah, I mean they sort of had that um, rebuilding themselves for impact, which Bobby Lashley went through as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, there's not many people that are on these shows have actually gone on to be, you know, money stars on the on the main roster, which again goes to give more credence to what they're doing now, I suppose. But again. But what would you rather watch? Would you rather watch this NXT or would you rather watch the current NXT? I mean, you probably there said the current NXT. <laughs> there are some things I really like about the current NXT. I, yeah. I really like some of the characters um, they've got on there and the fact that it is more gimmick-based and storyline-based rather than just the wrestling. Uh, yeah. Ironically, Roddy Strong's the one person who's on. Yeah. Oh no, it's Master Champers uh, also on there. Uh, Roddy Strong's still just got his jacket in his pants and don't know what yeah. to do with himself. Um, but yeah, it, it is that there's definitely more going on in in 2.0. Um, there's definitely a place for the super indie, um, but these days that place is AEW. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Basically, it's been just transported there, hasn't it? Really. If you like yeah. this, what you're watching on this show, then you've got a whole company that does that. So. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but it, 2.0 is going back to the original principle of what they were trying to do. It's the yeah. developmental. The, these people are going to go on, and you know, go in the next ten years, be it WrestleMania, that kind of thing. Whereas um, AEW is going to stay in in the AEW world. Well, I think there's a lot of people in the current version, which if you went back to doing that original NXT game show. I'd love to see Bron Breaker running around trying to carry barrels around the, around the fucking ring. And that could, oh, that'd be brilliant, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, and they have the promo around and someone like Joe Gacy would be brilliant at that, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, yeah no, there'd definitely be advantages. I didn't mind the game show NXT, I really didn't. And I liked that they had the mentors, you know, they had like um, The Miz and Christian and Carlito and all these sort of people who had people in their charge that they were trying to bring on and that was a nice little extra dynamic that they had to it you should do the uh first episode of nxt on uh, ucc we we may well do yeah we may well yeah i mean so this match i mean again i like the presentation the authors of pain their intro i've been ellering there they look quite scary don't they i mean they're big guys um they were like mma people weren't they i think I'm not sure what the background was. Um, I do know that they're trying to get a promotion off the ground in Dubai um, <laughs> later on in the year. Yeah, so because they've been okay. away from wrestling for quite a while. Because you sort of think, uh, I mean, there would be a good signing for AEW. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they had a lot of presence. AEW loves the tag team division. Um, you know, they come in and make waves. But yeah, they just seem to have dropped off the map. But yeah, apparently they're doing something in Dubai. 
Oh, do you remember when they got called up and I think the first night they turned up on Raw, Ellerin kind of came out and then walked away and left them. Yeah, and then they made say, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you know, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then they ended up being like Seth Rollins' muscle for a few weeks during the pandemic. And then yeah. um, it just kind of vanished. Well, it's not always the worst position to be in to be someone's muscle. You know, I mean, you know, we've got yeah. Kevin Nash off the back of that. So yeah. yeah. It can work sometimes, but sometimes it's just a, a placeholder and, you know, you can be replaced easily. So, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, they're taking on DIY, who are, you know, the the local sort of hometown uh, favourites, aren't they? And the big indie, yeah. indie lads. They should have had Nick Knowles and Tommy Walsh in this team. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see Nick Knowles against fucking Officer Payne in a handicap match, to be honest. That, that'd be uh, brilliant with it would be Billy good. the Sparky as the manager. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this, I thought this match was a bit... Cause a lot of matches aren't that easy to... I mean, I've never been in one, so I can't really uh, comment. But a tag team ladder match is even more difficult to sort of pull off because a lot of time where people aren't doing much or you have to kind of, you know, incapacitate two people rather than one person. So it was a bit of a slow start to the match, I think. And it got going as the match went on. No, uh, it, it was uh, it was a decent match. And I loved that every time that um, Aikam and Rezar would lift up Gargano and Champa, they'd you know for a power bomb or whatever they'd try and grab the titles, yeah, and they were sort of playing into this whole um, you know uh, thing that you can't do your big power moves, otherwise we might do that kind of thing. There's a scene where Rezar holds the ladder up, but it, you know it's just flat; it's not sort of extended. And um, Champa tries to run up it while he's holding it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I liked how they worked together. Like I think one of them was holding the ladder steady. So the other one could get up there because they were worried about them sort of falling off and uh, yeah yeah but I mean there's some there's some good spots in this and uh, again the um, Johnny Gargano takes uh, pushes Champ out of the way doesn't he to take the fucking ladder to the face oh that was brilliant that yeah, you know, yeah. he sort of plays into the you know the rest of the story later on in the night but just sort of sacrificing himself. Um, for it, it was an absolute spot. I, I've written that in, you know, the end of in like use the ladder as a battering to uh, yeah. ram it in Gargano's face. Yeah, it was brilliant. And then they, um, again, then Champa takes the guy down from the from on the ladder, and they and the, they go through the ladder. Again, there's, there's, I mean, there's loads of spots. Just go and watch the match. It's, it's, a, it's a good match. They do the dueling. They get both the offers of pain. So everyone's trying to set the table up outside, and they. And then they managed to turn the tables and get both of them on the table. And they're both Gagan and Champ on the ladder. And the crowd are chanting, please don't die. As they're going to uh, jump off the ladder and go through the table on the uh, Authors of Pain, guys. Um, but yeah, the finish is, so they, they set the ladder up, don't they? A bit too close to the Authors of Pain. They try and get up the ladder. And then they kick the ladder out of the way and sort of catch. No, they're hanging from the... And then yeah, they're hanging from the belts. Hanging yeah. from the belts, aren't they? And the officer playing catch him and do the super collider finishing move. Yeah. And then just walk up and get the belts. So, pretty dominating. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed the match. Really did. Yeah. Lots of spots. Great ladder match. Did, did you know who they lose the titles to? Um, uh, the Ascension would be before this. Um, just trying to think. Uh, Tag teams in. Sanity. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so obviously Officer Payne went. Oh, Ellerin takes a good super kick as well, doesn't he? 
He does, drags yes. Kakana down in there. Yeah. He sells that like a beast. Um, and then we get the, yeah, so they win. And then you get the, you know, Champa Gargano taking the, the praise and the crowd in the ring together. Yeah, and you just knew something was going to happen because there was like 10 minutes left on the show. You know what? I think they hinted at it a couple of times. Like, again, we're getting this point at this point in NXT. They do a lot of stuff where the bug comes up, doesn't it? Because I think yeah. the first one was the um, Owens, Sami Zayn thing. Remember when Sami Zayn beat Nakamura and Owens come out at the end and sort of congratulate him beating Nakamura? And like the bug comes up as he's hugging Sami Zayn. I think that was just an ordinary episode of NXT, though, wasn't it? I don't think that was a takeover. takeover. I don't I think, I think it was. takeover when Owens made his debut. I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm sure it was when Owens made his debut. I just thought it was on an ordinary weekly okay. NXT. Definitely yeah. after the bug came up on the on the bottom of the screen. Yes, I, I, I like that that they put that at the bottom of the screen as if they think it's over, and then <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden they yeah. whip it away because we, we're going to keep going with, uh, yeah. with what's happening and. Obviously, yeah, Champ has turned on Gargano. Yeah. And it was, I mean, out of the two, you know, he always kind of expected it to be Gargano that would, uh, that Champ would return because he looks like a psychopath, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they, they called him Psycho Killer for a while in NXT, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. 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 Um, but it's, it's a proper, you know, a beating as well. He does his finishing move through the table and just kills Gargano. But. Yeah. I, 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 when I was looking back, I think I don't remember what happened after this, but he, I think he got a pretty bad injury in this match, Champa. Yeah. And was gone then for you know six to eight months, so we didn't get the, the continuation of this feud until when he returned and beat. I think he cost Gargano a title match against Almas, I think, or uh, yeah, probably in, back into into 2018, and then the feud kind of continued yeah. from there for like two years on and off, didn't it? Yeah, and I don't know, by the end of it, it felt to me as if it dragged out a little bit too oh, long. Yeah. But it, yeah, yeah. It, it it was a great feud. Um, I think it suffered because it was at the same time as the um, Eddie Edwards-Sammy Callahan um, yeah. feud that they had, which uh, I thought was brilliant at the time. Um, but yeah, it, it was certainly one of the best sort of feuds of that of that period. Uh, really entertaining, you know, and, and the... We had the flip-flopping of them as um, heel and face as well. Yeah. So, yeah, really good. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to get the Meltzer ratings up in a second, but what would you, how would you kind of rate this show in the, the general kind of enjoyment levels? I thought, I, to be fair, I thought it was going to be, I I think I've been watching some of the show before, but I was, I'm under the impression of like any takeover is going to be pretty good. But... One of the things that surprised me, I if you'd have asked me what was the crowd like at NXT TakeOver Chicago, I'd have thought they were raucous. Yeah. And they weren't as involved with it as I remember. No. If that makes sense. Um, you know, and some of the matches like the Pete Dunn um Tyler Bate match what wasn't that great. Um, you know, the triple threat wasn't all it was crapped up to be. Um, you know, the main, the main event was brilliant and you know, there was that brilliant um, turn in the main event so you, you can't take that away from the event you know that that was clearly the best, best bit of it uh, Roddy Strong's always underwhelming um, you know so it's kind of a middle of the road, road pay-per-view where I'm sort of lifted up by the end but um, the bits before it weren't, weren't as great as I remembered if that makes sense yeah definitely yeah again I was under the impression it was going to be 
really, 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 you know, get you always think back at these takeovers and think they're all the first, you know, there seems to be a run of them all being really, really good. Um, yeah. And this was this was good, but I was kind of in my head. I was expecting a little bit better. But yeah. So I'm hastily trying to find Uncle Dave's uh, ratings. Well, the first match, Roderick Strong defeating Eric Young gets three and a quarter stars. Um, well, uh, Bruce, I think I'm going to go lower. <laughs> <laughs> I say, yeah. Yeah. Um, Pete Dunn, cards, uh, play cards right on this one, are we? <laughs> Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate gets four and three quarter stars. I don't know what uh, Uncle Dave is sniffing on that one. Um, I'm going to go lower. I mean, if if you go on the basis of the first match got three and a quarter stars, then I think oh, it's, yeah, it was better. It's better than the first match. Um, yeah. But well, uh, how Dave has calibrated his ratings, um, I think we need to investigate. Yeah, he's um, gone strong. He's gone uh, strong on a lot of these. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the the latest triple threat match, he's gone three and a half stars. It was all right, but I mean, yeah. three and a half stars, you know, that, that that's like seventy um, percent, isn't it? You know, that, yeah, yeah, that that'd be like um, you know, getting a distinction or something or, or a first class degree at seventy percent. You know, I don't I don't think it's that level, is it? No, uh, Bobby Roode <laughs> versus uh, Hideo Itami is gone four and a quarter stars for that. It was decent, but four and a quarter stars. Yeah, it's very strong. And then the main event, he's gone four and a quarter stars as well. You see, you see, to my mind, the main event in and of itself is probably less than that, but it, it's made absolute gold by the aftermath. So if it's including, you know, the whole scenario, then yeah. it's worthy of a higher rating than that. You know, it might even be worthy of a higher rating than that. If he's if he's just bell to bell in ring. I don't know what he's watching. Should we see what the ratings for Backlash 2017 were? See if there's any big... Uh... So for that, he's got Nakamura, Dolph Ziggler, two and three quarter stars. I don't remember that match. It was 15 minutes long, so... Um... Well, he likes long matches. Kevin Owens, AJ Styles got three and three quarter stars. And the main event where Jinder beats Randy Orton for the title gets two and three quarter stars. Oh, no, that, that's 12 stars, that one. Gender one. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Harper beat Eric Rowan on that card as well in a singles match. Got two yeah, stars. Brody so. Lay, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I enjoy it. I mean, I enjoyed the show. I probably didn't enjoy it quite as much as I was expecting to enjoy it. That's that's what I would, uh, yeah. I would say. And that, I that would it. definitely be my take. Yeah, that would be my take home from it. it. It was a decent show, but maybe didn't live up to the hype. No, no. So, right next week, before we uh, before we finish off tonight, next week I'm hastily consulting the spreadsheet as we move into the God knows how many hours. What are we doing? Uh... Are you covering covering the awkward second season of Dallas where Barbara Balgadis was replaced as uh, Miss Ellie? No, sadly not. Week? No, and the next week we're doing. I think it is Chris Bellis next week. Oh, talking about Barbara Balgadis. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, me and Chris Bellis are doing uh, Slambury 1993, which I think is a lot of old people on it. So that could be interesting. Obviously, Chris is always good value. So it'll be a good show anyway. Rob, yeah. where can, uh, before we get your choice of theme music to finish off with, of a current wrestler theme music, um, 
where can we find you and you know you want to plug your plug your stuff yeah find me at utt rob it's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers so i'm absolutely more than happy to follow back you can listen to our series on on booking the territory where we're currently looking at the first and last of wrestling uh, we've had uh, uh, yourself on uh, looking at Rinker King uh, recently, which probably will come out after um, this episode um, <laughs> drops. Um, we're, we're actually sort of there at the moment due to our sort of personal commitments. Um, we're we're going to do alternate weeks of the on booking the territory podcast and alternate weeks of the uh, UTT Tank, where we look at the ups and downs of the in-ring career of one David Tank Abbott, who is legitimately the hardest man that ever lived. Uh, but if you go on the Twitter, you can follow that and get some hashtag tank facts, such as the dark is afraid of Tank Abbott. Um, <laughs> tank, tank Abbott has a grizzly bear carpet. The bear isn't dead. It's just afraid to move. <laughs> and North Korean leader Kim Jong-il once completed a golf game 38 under par with 11 holes in one, but still lost to Tank Abbott. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I would thoroughly recommend all those podcasts for you to uh, chat. I mean, to be fair, you listen to this, you probably listen to that as well. So, um, yeah, so all that leads me to say is what are we going to what are we going to finish off with tonight? Well, I do it, does it have to be a wrestler theme tune? Because I think this week, given the awful news that we've had, um, I know we had a tribute at the start of the show to um, our Lord and Saviour, Dennis Waterman. But uh, I, I think we should go out on a positive note and have the theme tune to On The Up. OK, well, this week of all weeks, I think that's completely acceptable. So we'll finish off with the uh, theme tune to uh, the BBC sitcom when Dennis switched to <laughs> when Dennis signed to uh, BBC. I'm going to have the theme from On The Up uh, and, yeah, rest in peace, Dennis Waterman. Um, and we shall see you next week. Take care, guys. Thank you very much, Rob. Thank you, listeners. Go and support the show. Support Black Lakes. Support UTT Podcast. Support Bristol City. Support Huddersfield if they get into the Premier League, if they get in the playoffs. Be uh, a glory fan. Jump on the Huddersfield bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't support Leeds. <laughs> Fuck Leeds. Right. Take care. All the best, guys. See you later. Bye. It's a funny old game. It's getting better by the day. I could be a millionaire by May. My wife has gone, my daughter won't be long. But generally speaking, things are on the up. Maybe I will cry, maybe I will beg. <laughs> maybe she will buy a dress straight off the peg. I'm the bit of rough, she always wanted a lay. But now she's gone away to stay. I'm the Lord and Master of all I purvey. I might even own my own house one day. I've got bendings to my ears and rollers to my nose. But basically, boys, I'm so alone.